mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? So we're back with uh, episode 45, Mm -hmm. but with the naming, we're getting into a weird spot with the naming of the episodes. Okay. So I'm calling this the Daisy episode. Okay. The reason it gets complicated is because... We're hitting a point where we don't have confirmation of all grandkids anymore. And why so is that? So this is, so Josiah and his wife, Lauren, they had Bella, which we've, you know, mm-hmm. she's been in an episode previously. But after all of the Josh stuff went down, they disappeared off the face of the earth. Like they, okay. like they're, if you go to their profile right now, there's no profile picture. There's no post, but they haven't actually deleted it. Hmm. When you go to the Duggar family blog, like website thing, mm-hmm. where they normally have little write-ups about all the families, it stops with them, like at Bella, and nobody has come. They never announced a birth, but there was always like you could see like Lauren in the background of family videos and stuff, and it was like she looks pregnant. You know, it was like all these things, right? Interesting. There has never been a formal announcement by them or anybody in the family, but via sleuthing. People think the baby's name is that they've had another baby May of last year mm-hmm. and that the name is Daisy. But that's that's only because of the sleuthing of during because, you know, a bunch of the kids vlog now. Right. Because okay. now that they don't have a TV show, mm-hmm. a lot of them vlog. So it was in one of the Christmas vlogs that people, re- you know, when they were dividing up gifts, you can see that they're dividing them up by family. OK. And clearly in the stack that was Josiah and Lauren's. They had. Josiah, Lauren, Bella, and then there was one that looks like it says Daisy. Okay. So this is a speculative name. Ooh, so mystery Duggar. Yeah, so we're in a weird thing. So I'm, I'm naming it Daisy, but do we fucking know? I don't know. So Daisy Duggar, I guess. Daisy Duggar is a pretty funny name. Yeah. Just, I love alliteration. It feels very Disney. Yep. But before we actually get started on the recapping of the episode, I actually have like a... A, a grip of news I, we have some okay. things to to talk about so first of all uh we did get a premiere date for the duggar doc for the shiny mm-hmm. happy people on amazon prime and that is going to be on june 2nd mm-hmm. the trailer came out like the day we were releasing this episode so it's feels, real good feels like it's been a while since now so jill is in it which i don't feel like anybody knew i hadn't heard of mm-hmm. that seems like that was kind of a um that was news. Like, that didn't seem like people knew that that was going to happen. Right. So, Jill is in it. Famey's in it. But, I mean, is anybody surprised? <laughs> I mean, I could definitely do without mm. Famey. But I, I always, I try, you know, in in my trying to be positive, my, like, glass half full attempt at life, I'm like, well, that'll piss off Jim Bob. Yeah, But exactly. I could still do without Famey. Like, but, <laughs> so, Famey's in it. We've had a lot of questions. Uh like are you gonna do live watch are you gonna do like what are you guys gonna do Mm -hmm. so thing about that it is so hard for i know it's like what a week and a half away or whatever at this point it's hard to predict i know that with tim's 
schedule there's just no way that like when they drop i just know for a fact we're just gonna be able to hop on and just do like a live thing i just find that very unlikely so that's probably not gonna happen Mm -hmm. but we do have people just like asking like are you gonna cover it or you know that's been Mm -hmm. um and i expect that we i I, i'm sure we will too i'm sure we will (laughs) in some way but for me it's kind of like to what capacity i'm not really sure at this point because I, I imagine that this is going to be informative to the general public, but probably not super informative to people who've been snarking for years and years, <laughs> or you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know how much new information. It might still be informative to you because you're still learning along the way, mm-hmm. but I just don't know what that looks like. I don't, so I'm just going to have to watch it. I know I'll watch it before him just because of schedules mm-hmm. and then kind of decide where I'm going from there. Cause then some people are like, are you going to keep him pure and not have him watch it? So I don't know what we're going to figure that out as you go. I'm imagining we'll both kind of watch it. Uh, they're saying like somebody's saying that, Oh no, this is the expose that we always mm-hmm. wanted. I, I still kind of have my doubts. Like I think, again, I think the general public will be like shocked, you know, Correct. because not everybody knows everything we all fucking know about yeah yeah. (laughs) about iblp and the duggars but the more that the more people that can know about this the better like the more people that can this is on a platform that it's going to reach a lot more people so either way it's good don't know what that looks like for us as far as excitement either way i'm excited to hear what jill says and i would love it if that fucking messy bitch uh derek got (laughs) to save here he's sitting next to her but i don't know if he actually speaks or not correct but because I don't know if to everybody else, like they want to hear from the daughter where I'm like, I kind of want to hear from somebody who's not part of the family, but is put married <laughs> into the scorch family. scorch earth. Right. <laughs> so anyways. I, th- I think it'll be a lot of basic information because they need to set a baseline of of things that happened that I think you already know. And I think I kind of have to a quarter know. And people that have been interested in this for a while have been looking at this information for a long time so i think it'll have to start that way but then i think it'll get a little a little messy later on with like little tidbits you know so we'll see it's gonna be four episodes so we'll see how that pans out the first one looks like it's like duggar specific and then they and then it goes more into like Mm -hmm. iblp as a whole as it goes through correct all right anything else on that before i go to the next order of business nope okay so next order of business is what's today today as we're Today's the 22nd. Um, the 25th, so in a couple days, probably the day that we're releasing this or you're hearing this, it'll be the one-year anniversary of Josh's sentencing, which I'm just a, you know, I'm a slut for a theme. I love I love a little tradition. I, you know, I just love any exp- themes to me feel like a, an op- it's like a way of taking a holiday, like making something into a holiday almost. Like I love holidays. And so like when I like to theme shit, I'm like, oh, it kind of gives you that same like little boost, you know, that you get from a holiday. Um, so last year for sentencing, I made a pickle martini and had tater tots. I might be having a pickled martini <laughs> and tater tots on the 25th. I'm like, maybe I'll just have that every May 25th, you know? Yeah. Maybe that could just be a thing now. <laughs> or so. House Murphy. That was her for his arrestment day in April. There you go. Yep. That was an eight, that was his arrestment day. Yep. We uh, we told that story, but we were eating at a German restaurant by our house. <laughs> Next uh, thing I just wanted to announce on here because we did it on the gram, but not everybody that listens is on the gram. But we just hit well, not just on the thirteenth, we hit five hundred thousand plays total 
which is crazy because now we're hitting like 200,000 plays in like the last month, which is nuts. Yeah. But uh, we hit it on the 13th and then I ordered balloons for Mildred to have a photo shoot <laughs> for 500K that you and several others thought says Souk <laughs> does kind of look like that. Mildred wore her pearls for the photo shoot. Oh, she was so classy. Classy ass broad. And we, she, there were some good outtakes that everybody loved. Mm-hmm. But by the time I even like could order the balloons and they got here, I almost said pillows. By the time I ordered the pillows, uh, the balloons and they got here and we could set it up and, you know, life and all that shit. We're already at 575. Yeah. So it's like, it's crazy. So we had like before on Apple, like we trended like after we'd first like do an episode between the 160s and 180s mm-hmm. was kind of like our norm and then we drop off we had peaked at 67 this week we hit 44 and we hit i think before our highest on spotify had been 24 in our category mm-hmm. and we hit 18 this week it's weird yeah it's really- <laughs> and tv and film i mean all- every category is rough cuz you're up against so many people but the thing about tv and film category which is what we put ourselves in let's mm-hmm. you select your category yeah but Europe gets a lot of people that are doing podcasts about their own TV shows. Correct. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, so like when I like when we were at forty four, and I was like, oh my god, we're above this one. Oh my god, we're above this one. Like I couldn't <laughs> believe it. So it's been kind of a weird week. Yeah. Makes I'm tr- I'm fighting my fight or flight that I've talked about. Mm-hmm. Bad. I'm I'm really fighting it, but I'm still fighting. So. Yeah. And we're just happy you're here. I think when you have a show and you're doing a podcast about your show, like I love Pod Meets World. I love fake doctors, real friends, you know, and these are people that are talking about like a younger part of their lives and this piece of media that they put out. So it's a, it's a good crew to be kind of hanging around the edges of. Yep. Um, Next order of business is uh, kind of a corrections corner, but just more something to point out that I thought was funny that you said. Yep. You at one point said guests instead of listeners. I work in hospitality. I know, honey. and so that's why I was cracking up because we have that whole thing about our audio, mm-hmm. like for our first few episodes, like when we put the little disclaimer and how yeah. you kept saying users. Which, where the fuck did you get users, users. from? With that, yeah, I have no I, idea. He kept saying users <laughs> and was like listeners, so we had to re- keep recording it over mm-hmm. and over. And then in this episode, he says uh, our guests, and I'm like listeners <laughs> but, I'm like well, that. We, but i'm like that makes sense because it's straight from work i just don't know where users came from and we welcome these listeners into our home every week so they oh you're right they are our guests they are our guests be oh guest okay uh so that was just a funny little corrections corner mm-hmm. fine final thing before we can move on to the recap there's one more corrections corner too oh go ahead um the wrestling one Oh, yeah, I don't remember the details of that because I don't know what that is. So so there was two announcers for WWF at the time, and I said, I attributed a quote to Jerry Lawler, and it was not Jerry Lawler. It was his broadcasting partner. The people are horrified. That's true. But to be fair, any weird Venn diagram WWE, WWF fans, I was also a kid and grew up during the Attitude Era, so it was kind of at the end of some of those so i was kind of like on the on the edges just after like the macho man hulk hulkamania era so i was an attitude era kid Hmm, i don't know Mm -hmm. what that means yep your eyes glazed over when i started talking yep okay (laughs) when the rock was still a wrestler and stone cold yeah yep well i know Undertaker. okay (laughs) um Okay, anything else before the last thing? Not about wrestling, no. We have had our first in a while. We have a Mildred Minute. 
Okay, Mildred Minute. I just wanted to tell everybody that her birthday is coming up in a couple of days. So birthday, some people say birthday, some people say gotcha day. We're birthday slash, okay, annual review. There you go. Now, the reason for that is because we haven't, if you haven't figured out, we have ongoing bits that we have between Mm us. And our ongoing bit with Mildred is that Momo retired. That was our previous cat. Yeah. So Momo Mm -hmm. retired in January of 2017. We took our time finding her replacement because we wanted them to be the the right fit. We just didn't want to, you know, hire someone just to fill the position. Absolutely. Had to be the right time, the right fit. So we waited until May. We hired Mildred. Yeah. So then now we joke because that's why we talk about her job. Like she has all these jobs <laughs> around the house. She does security. She now she helps with you know with my vintage. She helps in the labeling. She's yep. she's a producer on this podcast. She has mm-hmm. a lot of jobs, right? So we don't just call it her birthday. We call it her annual review. <laughs> so that's when we discuss. You know how she's doing. Opportunities for growth. Areas of yep. Areas yeah. of opportunity. So Mildred has her annual review on the twenty seventh. <laughs> so we'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> All right, that is finally it for news. That was a lot of news. We haven't had a Mildred minute in a minute. All right, you ready to actually recap this shit? I am ready. So this episode is called Duggars and Bates Reloaded. Yeah. Premiered July 28th of 2009. And I kind of think the name is a giveaway that we can already mark off a square on our bingo boards. Yep. So we can mark off those baits. There's actually two of them in the cold open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the name, it says it alone, so. Yeah. Do you know what the other one in the cold open was? A phone belt clip. Oh. Yep. It appeared in, in their little, like, clips of them talking. Well, I mean, that's... The cold open is clips of the show, so yes. Yeah, true. Sometimes there's stuff in there that's not actually in the show. When? Every once in a while. I don't think that's true. I disagree. You're right, honey. (laughs) So the episode starts off right away with the baits, and it's Kelly kind of doling out chores as they prepare for the Duggars to visit. Jim Bob says that they've been planning to visit them, but the surprise is that they're bringing the Wilson family along with them and surprising them with an add-on project to their house. Mich- Michelle says that the Bates helped and encouraged them during the ice storm when their trees were down. Um, and then she says that, you know, they didn't know how to deal with trees. So then the Bates came and helped them out. Mm-hmm. And she says that they know about building. <laughs> and so now that they can help... Now they can help and encourage them. And teach them about perpendicular. Perpendicular. When they were showing them, when Michelle said, oh, I we know something about building, they went back to clips of them when they were building the mansion, the Tater Top Mansion. And there's just a very cute little clip of Jill. It's like little Jill. And you're like, no, like it's it's interesting watching them grow up the way that I have in this time period and then seeing them little again. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because it does feel like a long time ago when you see it like that. You're like, oh, shit. Especially because some of that was some in the early, early yeah. discovery special. So you're like, that was really was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now we see them cleaning the house and 
Tori Bates is kind of describing their house and their various bathrooms. They have three. She says that one is for the girls and that there's one more and then one in the schoolroom. And then there's a pop-up on the screen that says that the morning wait for the bathroom can be up to 45 minutes. Yeesh. That is a while. You would never make it. You spend 45 (laughs) minutes on it just yourself. Damn right I do. The seat's all warm. It's disgusting. (laughs) Except in the winter. That's when I shine. Uh, You'll like me in the winter, I promise. I still, I would rather have a cold seat even in the winter. You won't like me in the winter then. I have I have horrible news for you. <laughs> but um real quick, did you notice the mop water? Oh yeah, real. Oh my dingy. god, it's like chocolate milk. Yeah. Like so they have like the the kind like the janitors have, like the yellow mop right. bucket. And it is if someone told me it was Nesquik in there, I would believe it. It is it looks like chocolate. It's disgusting. I was like, I and the camera. It's like you can tell that the camera guy was like, oof, the way he like <laughs> captured it. You can yeah. tell he was like, oh, let's get that. <laughs> Horrific. It was rough. No wonder all these kids' feet. And I know it's a different family, but it's all the same. No <laughs> wonder these kids' feet look the way they do. Disgusting. <laughs> Anyways, so um, we see like their cute little baby horse. It's so cute. Did you? <laughs> Isn't that a cute little thing? Because Michelle's just saying, oh, they live in a cute cabin and they have their animals. and they It's like a little... pony. Yeah, it's, it's a like... cute little pony. It's so cute. <laughs> so now it's the day that the Duggars are supposed to be arriving. And Gil gives us another square because he says, quote, we're looking forward to the Duggars coming this afternoon. So they're all going to be here. Looks at his watch a little. And then he says, well, they'll be on Duggar time. So might be 12, might be 2, might be 3. So we can mark off Duggar time square. Yeah. So Gil says that they're also getting ready for Mother's Day, which is the next day, and says, quote, we had forgot that. So we got a big surprise for Mama. She don't know about it yet. Mm -hmm. Sounds like uh, you don't either, Gil, because you didn't even remember it was Mother's Day. So I think the surprise (laughs) is a surprise. You. Well, they, they delegate so much to the kids that, you know, it's up to the kids to remember. He's like, Aaron, why didn't you remind me? <laughs> you, little kid that looks like the beeve. The little kid that says he wants to mop when they're, like, volunteering for chores kind of looks like the, the beeve. The kid in charge of the quick? <laughs> the kid, yeah, the chocolate milk monitor. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So now they're doing their morning routine of Bible study, and... They just give us some rapid-fire bingo squares, man. Oh, yeah. First, we get a matching clothing square mm-hmm. because all the boys are dressed in jeans with white shirts while all the girls are wearing, like, denim jumper dresses. Very yep. much of my childhood, mind you. <laughs> uh, with white shirts underneath. So we get a matching clothing. Mm-hmm. And then we also get a group singing oh, square. Man. Because we get a Bates rendition of Down in My Heart with the kid's favorite line about, you know, the devil sitting on a tack if he doesn't like it. It's edgy music. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. Ouch! ouch. Sit on a tack. <laughs> I, was, oh, I was hoping you were going to say ouch. I was waiting for you. Uh, I told Whitney I only know this song from The Simpsons. There's a Simpsons episode where uh, Bart gets taken away from Homer and Marge and they get sent to the Flanders right next door, like in a foster situation. 
and Bart's in bed with the two brothers, Rod and Todd, and in their sleep, they sing that song. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. Ouch! There you go. That's what I wanted. I don't want any damn vegetables for all the Simpsons fans out there. <laughs> so, um, it's sort of fun, though, I will say, to me at least, to be able to mark off stuff that you're kind of just used to thinking, oh, the Duggars are going to be the one. And then you're like, oh, no, this is like somebody else marking it. I mean, right. it's copy and paste of them, but intended with an accent. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's still like, oh, somebody else is marking the squares off. Mm-hmm. So now we see them heading out to the grocery store because, you know, who doesn't shop the day of oh, for a mass amount of guests coming over? It's just not how we live. No. You know I'd be like four days early, have all the food in the house, and then I'd be prepping the food. Yep. The shopping list, or as we would call it in the industry, the order guide yep. would be made a week ahead. Oh, a week in advance. <laughs> Literally. No. this is. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> and... um. Sorry to disappoint the people, but it's not Aldi that they go to. No. They're at Shop for Less instead. Yep. Mm-hmm. First thing that we see inside is Gil putting in stacks of donut boxes um, into the cart. And he says, snacks. Snacks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I could go for a donut as a snack. So I, I, I ain't mad at that. And overall, I will just say that it was interesting to watch Kelly actually be the one with holding the list. Yeah. And like directing everybody because I mean, I get it. The bar is very low. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I understand that this is not groundbreaking things that the mother is holding the list and directing the family. I understand. Correct. Yeah. But had this been the Duggars, it totally would have been run by one of the older, one of the girls. older girls. There's just not mm-hmm. a chance in hell. They it would be them taking taking over all of it. Meanwhile, we would hear a voiceover of baby cannon saying something like uh jill is our organizer uh, she really <laughs> likes doing the shopping and the meal planning like Pretty that's good. what that's how it would happen it would yep. be a voiceover of just like no she likes this shit yep you know so i guess we get a one-eighth of a point to kelly bates <laughs> well, we get yet another square because aaron bates says we're getting some pickles because that is the Duggar's favorite food, I think. And they go through them like crazy. So they grab 11 jars. 11 jars, yep. 11 is a very odd number, <laughs> isn't it? I was it like, is. not 10, yeah. not 12, 11. Yeah. But maybe it was all they had. Might have been. I do want to shout out Shop for Less. Because there's something about like small town grocery stores that I think is really endearing. I feel like it harkens back to like an like an era. I did. I used to work for two companies that would get called out to where there was like fires during the summer, and we would feed thousands of firefighters breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we were in. I don't remember the exact time. I believe it was Ovid, Colorado, and it was this tiny little town. And I remember we went shopping at the grocery store for something, and it just it just felt like like a good old day, you know, of being in a supermarket. And there's a scene when they're cashing out that I want to reference for this, but I'll get to it. Okay. So I'm at the cashing out part. Mm-hmm. So um, their grand total ends up being $1,057.68. Yep. 
which I was expecting a lot worse even by 2009 standards because mm-hmm. they had like multiple carts. So I thought that sounded cheap, but I don't know. Uh, and then there's another pop-up box that kind of divides up the number amongst the 50 people that are going to mm-hmm. be there for 14 days, which comes to only $1.50 per person per day. But I have my doubts that there really was everything needed for all of them for two weeks. <laughs> like, you know, like I wasn't sure that that was really like the full 14 days. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That does seem like a small amount for that many days. $1.50 a person per day? You're telling yeah. me that you're feeding a person... For 50, like, you know, or, or whatever. I can't do. I think even when you account for the the era we were in and a smaller town in an area where cost of living is probably lower than, like, in a major metropolitan city, I still think the numbers are weird. For 50 yeah. cents a meal? Yeah. For just 50 cents a day. It's crazy. So my observation at the checkout line is they have, like, this... Like an old school rotary phone. And it was like. Yeah, what is it? Is it. So what it looked like was depending on how much money you have. It, it looks like they give you like extra coupons. So for, you know, if you bought $400 worth of groceries, they would go to that part and then they would like slight, you know, rotate it over. And it would it would pop out these little tickets that looked like. Like discounts or like coupons. But because they spent so much money, the lady was going to the the widest one and hitting it multiple times. So it was like they were at uh, Peter Piper Pizza and there was like all yeah, these Yeah, it's tickets. all going on the ground. Yeah, it's like the adult version where you're like, yeah! yeah. It was just like coming out and it's like all over the floor. Yeah. So there was just a charm to it because I felt like a lot of places these days, grocery stores, like at least here in Phoenix, don't really do stuff like that anymore. Everything's digital you know? too, especially Correct. especially 2009 versus 2023. But like, yeah. yeah. But like even the noise it made was cool. Mm-hmm. Like I was into it. Yeah. I and was they, like, I don't really know what's happening, but I like it. Yeah. There was the sign as you're walking out of the store that was missing a whole lot of letters. And this is no shade for Shop for Less because I've already, I've already accounted for the fact that I like Shop for Less. But it said... Hank yo o hopping. Whoa. Oh, it, took me a, thank- it took me a second. I was on what? Then it finally clicked. Yeah. Instead of thank you for shopping, there's all these letters missing from it. And they showed it multiple times. And in my head, I'm like, the baits, the baits are shopping for this much food all this time. You can't afford some letters. Hank yo o hopping. Hank yo o hopping. <laughs> okay. So oh, was that it? One more. Oh. Just because I, I looked at my notes. <laughs> I know this is a I can regional, sense your excitement about something. <laughs> I know this is a regional soda brand that has been co-opted by a group of fans, but they were buying Fago root beer. And I was like, are the baits secretly like Juggalos? Are they like insane clown posse fans? <laughs> I don't even know what any of that is. ICP fans are called Juggalos. They drink Fago soda. Somebody will get it News out there. News to me. Somebody will get it out there. Let me know if there's any <laughs> any not super proud ICP fans out there in the world. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay. <laughs> I thought you would get that no, reference. I'm that sorry. was huge in our day. You know? Nope, sorry. <laughs> so now we're finally seeing the Duggars for really the first time in the episode. It's only been Lego and Cannons talking heads up until this point, and it's been pretty much the bait show. Mm-hmm. But they, they stopped somewhere to meet the Wilsons 
And it is battle of the cell phone belt clips <laughs> because when Clark Wilson gets out of his car and, you know, he Lego's walking over to like greet him and like shake his hand. And then they're mm-hmm. standing side by side and it is like the powers combined of the <laughs> cell phone belt clips. Those cell phones were going nowhere. Nope. They, they were ready, ready for when they needed them. So they, um, they end up having the Wilsons get on the bus with them to head to the Bates house because they want it to be this big surprise. So they arrive at the Bates and they say their hellos. And then a few minutes later, Clark and his family just come out of the bus and like, they're all surprised of course, Mm -hmm. which by the way, um, they have nine kids. So it's, that's why the number's 50, by the way. Correct. Because when we're at, you know, adding in mm-hmm. the Wilsons now. So when they're, I'm like, when they were shopping for groceries, they had no fucking clue they had 11 more people coming. You know, I was just like, oh, that's, that's something. A they're really going to have to go back now. Yeah, no. So um, they come out of the bus and then Clark ends up handing Kelly a card. And in the card it says, and I'm, I'm going to say the whole thing. Have you ever waited outside a bathroom door for 17 minutes only to find the former occupant had used all the hot water? And she says, yes. Arrange your room around a playpen and two high chairs. Wash 11 loads of laundry in one day and went to bed with a vow to finish the rest tomorrow. If you answered yes to any of the above, I am pleased to present your prize. A household edition of your choice as a Mother's Day gift from the Wilson and Duggar families. So Kelly kind of does the whole, oh, we could never type thing, but Mm -hmm. you're just so sweet to even think of it. Like, you know, trying to be like, no, no, no. And, and Lego says that the name of their construction crew that the, somebody, I didn't catch the name. I didn't know who he was talking about. So I didn't even write down the name. So I'm like, I don't know who he's referring to, but somebody, I guess, ended up calling them um, the herd of turtles. That's like their name of their construction crew, because we know how long (laughs) the tater tot mansion took. And, um, like Gil was saying something along the lines of like, oh, you beat us in this many years. We've replaced one door and like one. one yeah, it was like one door jam. Yeah, one something door jam like or something yeah. like that. Yeah. There's um, a couple things about this scene. When they were getting out of the bus and all the families were kind of converging in their driveway, there was lots of hey, hey's. Oh. <laughs> a lot, a lot of them. Like, I should have put a hey, hey counter up. Because It'd be all ding, 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 exactly, ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding. Because it was like the bus came and then and then Gil was like, hey, hey, they're here. And then when they're starting to get out, as soon as Jim Bob pops his head out of the bus, hey, hey, there was lots of hey, hey. Um, many of the children in the Duggar brood were wearing shirts that had gap on them. And because it was filmed so long ago, like the the resolution wasn't great because you could see that there was small lettering underneath and you couldn't read it. I'm assuming it's, it's some, some sort other of... version of like the Our Apostle. Yep, yeah, and that's exactly. Well, what now it I have to go back and try to yeah. figure this out. I I paused it and kept like going back. I could not see what it said underneath, but it was like. Jill was wearing a shirt. A couple of the boys were wearing the shirt. Like, there was a lot of that shirt. It is crossing genders? <laughs> yep. Wow. Yep. That is something. Because only the boys wear the Our Apostle shirt. Yeah. So, if they're both wearing it, that is some shirt. Yeah. Now, I do have one more thing. How do you actually say the store that they were referencing in the Our Apostle shirt? How well, do I say it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I always said it. 
I know other people say Aeropostale. I, I always said it fancier. I always said Aeropostale. Ooh. It seems like it would be, I don't know what it is. Aeropostale. You say but, it so breathy. I, well, I mean for emphasis, but if Aeropostale. So Josh is wearing an actual shirt from that brand. From Aeropostale. Aeropostale. <laughs> but yeah. Mine, so, is, mine sounds so much sexier. Aeropostale. Well, that's for sure, honey. Honey. <laughs> Anything else? Nope. That's it. Okay. So now it's the next day and we see them all walking into Stillwater's Baptist Church. And we hear a voiceover of Ginger saying, it was a little bit different going to the Bates Church because we're used to home church. It was really neat, though, to see the differences. They're like, there's fucking church outside our house. There's, there's anything other- outside our house. <laughs> there's other pe- other people go to your church. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> like, that's the weirdest part of it. And then Jessa says, it was a really sweet fellowship. It reminded me a lot of our home church. <laughs> really? Did it now? Um, whereas everyone was, like, really close. It was just really nice to be there. You looked... You know, beyond the pastor, and you could see the laundry room. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> On this day, there is a lot more matching outfits, but we've already covered that square, <laughs> unfortunately. But there's there's a lot of them. And then after church, they have a picnic all together while the men folk, you know, work on the construction plans. The man stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. over there, and they've got like their like hands on their forehead and their brow, and they're like pointing at stuff. Yeah. And you there's, know, there's a pencils. lot of hands on hips above the phone belt clips. Yep. There, and... there's pencils, and there's a racing of the pencils <laughs> and pondering. It's serious <laughs> business. They end up deciding on ripping off the front of the house, bringing it out about 18 feet, adding on a second story, uh, which is way bigger than the original adding on of a laundry room that they kind of like were first talking about. Oh, yeah. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. Because when they were giving her the card and she was like, no, or whatever, uh, Jim Bob was like, what's your biggest need? And like... I think he went in thinking laundry room. Yeah. But, like, she was all, beds, we need more beds. And so mm-hmm. I think he was like, oh. I think, I feel like Jim Bob's like, well, we want to do a laundry room. And now you want, but, but, okay, we'll do it all, you know. Lady, we thought we'd come and build you a spice rack. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'd be out of here in a couple days. Yeah, you know? but she was like, we need more beds. She, needs, she wants major home renovation. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole thing is actually a... It is an actual big surprise to Gil and Kelly, and, like, Kelly's crying and stuff. Mm-hmm. But their oldest son, Zach, he was in on it. Like, obviously, they had contacted him because they ended up having him be the one ahead of time to pull permits. I am shocked that they are doing things legally. <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced it probably is still all legal, but... They made an effort. They, yeah, exactly. They made, yeah, they yeah. tried. I'm like, it's more than I thought they would do, is all <laughs> I'm saying. So, apparently, there are permits in place. Uh, Kelly said that their biggest need is more room for the girls, but I kind of couldn't help but feel like the boys actually had the greater need. I don't know how you felt, (laughs) but it's because the boys are upstairs in the attic that was not intended to be a living space, Mm -mm. so it is so um, sloped. Yeah, that they it's very very steep. Like they said, at the peak, it's seven feet. 
but then it tapers down so sharply so that sharp. like over only- by their over by their beds, like you're laying in bed and you maybe have a foot of clearance above your head. Like, like they they can only walk upright straight down the middle of the room when correct. they're as a teenage boy. Like the little boys can, yeah. but like I was that to me seems like more of a dire situation. Mm-hmm. And then um, while they have central air. That's not intended. There's no venting up there. There's no air circulation. There's no insulation. Correct. So to me, yeah, they're like, oh, the girls are cramped because she shoves the new. She literally talks about, well, no matter what the baby is, boy or girl, because she's pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Um, surprise. Uh, <laughs> the new baby, no matter what it is, gets put with the girls. But they're also downstairs and like regular rooms. Yeah. I'm like the boys are. I don't know. So I just thought that was funny that there was like. I, I'm all for the girl, like, girls getting put first for once. So there's a part of me that's like, yeah, girls first. And then I'm like, ooh, but they have, like, no airflow and they can't even stand up. Yeah. So. Either way, they need more room. Yeah. And that's kind of the end of the episode. It is. Like, they keep talking about how the plans just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Which I respect the fact that these people are willing to do this as a Mother's Day gift. I feel like that's super thoughtful, especially when they know that like they need that space. You know, yeah, it's it's definitely practical, but that is also how it is. Like you have other people that are building an add-on to your house. It just feels like after she gave them the okay, her ideas of what it was going to be kind of went out the door. Like, yeah. then it was them coming up with what they were going to do to her house. Pretty much, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, there's an old Daniel Tosh bit where he talks about one of those home renovation shows where they would bring your friends and, like, two of your closest friends or your family would redesign your house for you and then they would bring it in. And he was like, Are you That's- talking about trading spaces? The ones with your neighbors or no? No, no, no. It was, oh, like, okay. your friends. It was people that you knew. And he was like, you really have to trust your friends. Because some of my friends have really awful ideas. They'd invite my buddy over and he'd be like, I'm thinking circus tent. Big circus tent. <laughs> well, they don't like um, have great taste anyway. So, I, Like I said, they're kind of a copy and paste. But like like the, the Bates have like the Confederate room. <laughs> yeah. So it's like copy and paste, but add in some. Uh, Other, like, you know what I mean? Like Confederate yeah. flair. Yeah. And then there you go. Yeah. So. Because think about it, they, the boys still had their like very murky ro- room, if you will, you know. Right. Yep. And so I'm like, it's all the same. So <laughs> she just wants more space. She's like, yeah, eh, do whatever you want. <laughs> I have a couple things about. Okay. I actually, I understand we've talked about the baits. We've had a couple conversations about them and kind of, you know, what their show and the channel it was on and and just kind of their whole deal. Um, in this era. There is little things about them that I find, like, slightly endearing. And Mm -hmm. one of the funny comments was that when they were singing in church, there was no audio on the Bates family singing, but they were group singing. And then one of the Duggar girls was like, well, they have this kind of, like, southern bluegrass thing to their singing. And they work really good with harmony. And so I just think it's hilarious that they were like oh yeah there is like a difference in the way that they sing even though it's kind of the same stuff well i feel like it's kind of like when jessa said was talking about their clothes in that (laughs) early episode where she was like we're more like modest modern and what did she call them i don't remember god i'm I'm (laughs) killing oh my gosh i'm so mad that i can't remember it right now dang it what is it (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. My, oh. While you think about Dang it, that, that. pisses me off. <laughs> While you think about that, maybe we'll put that in the beginning of the second part. The last thing I wanted to say was that when they show the Duggar bus driving through town, they pass a sign for La Fiesta Mexican Restaurant, mm-hmm. which is where you go for good Mexican food. And it, they're well because it's a fiesta. <laughs> and their description on the sign was steak, ribs, and Sunday buffet. And I was like, none of those are particularly no, Mexican. I'm like steak, ribs, and- <laughs> huh? But it could still be a fiesta. So they're maybe may- true. Don't be. Don't get me wrong. Mexicans love costillas and they love carne asada. But still, it was funny to say it was steak, ribs, Maybe and Maybe they have lasagna, buffet. too, if you remember <laughs> that story. Yep. And then the other thing was gas at this point was $2.19. I, I, I had that number in my head, too. Two nineteen <laughs> Must be nice. I do have one final uh, thing. Okay. Um, I wanted you... I don't know if you noticed him, but there is... Up to this point, Michelle has had her mullet-ish hair. Very mm. mullet-like, right? There's one tiny little scene where they're interviewing her in front of a tree. Okay. And I think that it was way later and they were pulling, like, they forgot to, like, get that interview. Get that information and then, like, pulled it from some, asked her and pulled it from later because it is the first time, mark it on your calendars, it is the first time that we see Michelle's future hair of the very straight side bang, the half up with the curly, crunchy hair. Okay. But like drifting away from the mullet. Okay. So now that we know that we're we've caught our first glimpse of it, now it, when is it officially trans you know, when does she transform okay. entirely is the question. But, Interesting. Yeah. So we will keep our eye on that hot topic there. It is. It is a biggie. I had to write that in. I was watching it again right before. So I hadn't written in my notes, but I thought I saw it. So Tim was like ready to record. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm looking for something. And I'm like going through the episode. When she said that I had to mark that in my notes, she tapped her legal pad with such conviction. It was real funny. The harder you tap, the more important it is. That's very true. And if the devil doesn't like it, he, he can, can sit, sit on a tack. Ouch. <laughs> Okie doke. I think that's it. All right. We'll see you in a bit. So we're actually recording this the next day. Mm-hmm. We've never done that before. I think we've always gotten it done at least in one shot because we've had to. Yeah. But yeah, schedule's crazy. So we're actually recording this on the next night. Mm-hmm. So I've had a little time to think about some things. And so I was thinking about, um, you know, them telling the devil to sit on attack. <laughs> Ouch. So, so then I was thinking about my mother. I'm like, if we tell that one to her, does she think that that's like, which do you think is worse in your brain? Telling someone to sit on attack or my mother's go-to of stick it up your butt. I feel like stick it up your butt is definitely more uh, aggressive. So, oh, okay. So I was wondering if we told her if like she... But telling someone to sit on a tack if she'd have a new a new roast or something, you know. But. Yeah. There's such attitude when your mom says it, too. I know we've talked about it a million times, but I was like, the, the sitting on a tack thing re- made me really think, huh, that sounds like an insult my mother would give. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell them. We'll tell that Satan. 
Are right, you ready to dive? I'm ready to dive. Back in episode 30, we did a deep dive on the Bates that more so focused on Gil and Kelly's backgrounds, mm-hmm. their early days as a couple, and what led them to having such a large family. Today, we're going to dive into the Bates finances. I'm first going to start with one of Gil's sermons, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it. He was a presenter at one of the IBLP seminars back in 2010. Okay. I don't know the exact months, but either way, it's sometime not too long after what we just watched. Because if that was... Because when they're in Pigeon Forge, I remember when they got the key to the city, it was May 2009. Which makes me realize that they do really quick turnarounds on this show. Mm -hmm. So that was May 20 of 2009. It premiered in July. So very quick turnarounds with their editing and stuff like that. But I mean, Mm. it's not like it's... Like deep, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep, there's nothing deep going. They're not on. going for artistic expression in their editing. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it's not like they're really pulling from like you know, like in other shows where they're pulling from really past stuff to pull this yeah. to make this like story. It's like mm-hmm. literally over like a two day period. Yeah. You know? Anyways, so this is sometime. If that was in, this is probably June. I don't know ish. Mm-hmm. Say of 2009. This is probably not too far somewhere like after with in at least a year, six months to a year. Okay. So the sermon is called How to Support a Family of 19 Without a Salary. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Almost the entirety of this sermon is just story after story of having stuff given to them. (laughs) Okay. So I'm I'm telling you that ahead of time and you'll see. Oh my God. Here we go. Let's get into it. So he starts off by talking about five things that God has used in their life to help instruct them. And make them dependent on him because he says, even if you don't want to be, you need to be dependent on God in order to see his mighty power. Uh, So I have to be honest, I'm not really sure I ever picked up on all five things. (laughs) Like, I mean, I listened to it and I was like hitting back and like writing stuff down and like whatever. And then I just, but I, if I didn't pick up, I'm not really sure the audience fully picked up on all five either because Gil is really all over the place like I was just like oh this is this is how it is like he's really all over the places he speaks sometimes he's talking so fast you can hardly catch what are you saying and then at the very end of this he's running out of time so he's like rapid fire trying to like say a bunch of shit and so I feel like he really like speeds it up and you just it just like loses steam on the message so he's not a great orator I guess not like he's got the like that southern you know that like <laughs> you know but like when you really think about the content of it you're like i'm lost okay like it is story after story where you're keeping up with the story but the whole thing you're like the point where yeah. is this tying together yeah it's a little odd it um, was weird to hear in the house by the way because she was listening to it on her phone with like no headphones in and i remember i woke up or yeah i either woke up or i was leaving for work listening you with you playing it and it was weird hearing gil bates's voice echo through my house as i was walking (laughs) out so i'm not really sure what all five things are and i (laughs) i didn't want to listen to it again but i really don't think that it matters i think we get the gist anyway i think it was just a way to try to make these random stories fit together okay so anyways we'll get to it so he also doesn't tell their story in chronological order, which I actually think it would have more of an impact if he did it that way. I agree with that. So I had to actually like pull it apart and kind of put it back together based on 
like some context clues, like how many kids was he talking about at the time <laughs> and like things like that yeah. to then put it back in line. So the way I'm presenting it is not necessarily in the order that he did, but to me it's in the way that makes the most sense, but whatever. Any hoozle. So like I was saying, Gil says that you need to be dependent on God in order to see his power and that God takes care of all of their needs beyond their abilities. He starts off by talking about the early days of their marriage, which we know from previous deep dive, that this was back in 1987 when Gil was 22 years old when mm-hmm. they first got married. And he says that he didn't have a job at the time and describes himself as not being like particularly goal-oriented, decisive, or having any real skills. And that, in fact, if a boy came to him today asking to marry his daughter like in the state that he was at the time that he married Mm -hmm. Kelly. He said that he'd tell them to go figure out their stuff and come back in about 20 years. (laughs) But I do have to say that I have my doubts because we know that they like to embellish stories for Mm. for effect, you know? Correct. So I kind of find it hard to believe that they got married and he had no job. Maybe he had a crappy job, but I I don't know. I just have my – I think it's a little sus. I'm not sure (laughs) I quite buy it. Maybe he just had a really shitty job. (laughs) But, like, I don't think he'd get married and have no job. I don't know. I just find that a little weird. Okay. But after getting married, he ends up taking a job in heating and cooling for a while, making $4 an hour, which, you know, I love an inflation calculator. I love me an inflation calculator. It's on my phone on the regular. (laughs) Um, Which says that today would be 1068, which seems alarmingly low. I'm like, Mm -hmm. is this right? Like, I don't know, but... You know, so it was like, where were you living? What was cost of living? Yeah. You know. So he did that for a while. And then if you remember back to Deep Dive episode 30, Mm -hmm. Gil had gone to college and gotten a degree in teaching because he had always intended to be a teacher and a coach. He was really into sports and stuff. And Mm -hmm. it was his coach that got him into church. But after getting married, he and Kelly decided that they were going to homeschool their future children. So then he kind of decided that uh, maybe this is a conflict of interest. Right. And he just decided not to pursue using his degree in education Okay. anymore. Very common story. <laughs> so he eventually, except not not for the exact same reasons the rest of us, but yes. Not for those a reasons. A lot of people but... don't end up using their degrees. It's very yeah. common. <laughs> so he eventually ended up getting a job at a grocery store bagging groceries and stocking shelves. Does that sound familiar to you? Was he at Shop for Less? I don't know, but do you mm. remember that's what Jim Bob did yeah. early in their marriage? And mm-hmm. that's why they always talk about how, like, oh, Jim Bob t- taught them how to stock shelves in their pantry and whatever. Right. So now we get to hear the first of many stories Here that he tells. Go. It's story heavy. Oh, man. It's point. point. It's lacking point. <laughs> but lots of stories. Lacking direction, but there's lots of anecdotes, yeah. So at this point in their marriage, oh, and I, I, I am going to go backwards for one second. The way he introduces it is very like hearty her har. Like, you know, he's a, he's big into like the, <laughs> so he's like, well, Mr. Bill Gothard called me and says there's going to be a, there's going to be a, a, a seminar about how to support 19 kids on, you know, with no salary. And I said, great. Where is that? He, or when is it? And he goes, Friday. And I said, great. Who teaches it? He says, you. And I said, great. Like, it's very like that. Like, mm-hmm. so just imagine that through this whole thing if you will copy so at this point in their marriage sounds like they have at least three kids 
Okay. And Kelly comes to Gil one day and she tells him that with so many young kids, it's hard to get them all to the park to play. So she wants to buy a swing set. She even makes a point to tell him that they have the money in their bank account to cover it. Mm-hmm. And that she saw one at Walmart for $159. A local retailer. Yeah, I'm sorry. S- small. Uh, but I guess they can't say local retailer in Tennessee. Yeah. It's from the South. So Gil doesn't agree to it. And instead, he tells her that they need to wait 30 days to give God a chance to provide it for them. And then he tells her, uh, yeah, you know, we could go to Walmart and get one. Or, quote, what if we pray and God provides one? Then we've got a story to tell of what God's done. Oh, man. And Kelly's like, well, we have the money. You don't pray for things that you have the money for. <laughs> and Gil replied, quote, you do when you're a cheapskate as I am. Which is, again, I'm telling, like, just, mm-hmm. I tell this to tell you, like, he's trying to make this, mm-hmm. you know, really funny. Okay. Right. And then he follows it up with, quote, really you do when you want to see God do something. So when you want to see God do something, this idea of God is a vending machine. And, um, you're like, to me, this is like you're testing God over a fucking swing set. Like, I don't know. Like, when you have the money to cover it, but you're going to be like, you know, let's see what he does here. Mm-hmm. So Gil prays uh, for the Lord to provide them with the swing set. And Kelly is still kind of like, okay, but we have the money. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. But apparently two weeks later, a guy just up and offers them a swing set that he has oh that he was going to tear down because his kids had gotten too big for it. And Gil says this was more than just a swing set, though. It was a whole climbing gym that even had a merry-go-round and then some like other swings that was like shaded that the parents could sit on, too, I guess. Okay. And he said, quote, see, I would have missed out what God wanted to do. I'd have had a swing set and no testimony of what God wanted to do. Okay. 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 So, as you can imagine, Gil ends up telling the story to absolutely anyone who will listen, including his own parents. Gil's mom says exactly what we're all thinking, or, I mean, I'll speak for myself. She says what I'm thinking, okay? Mm -hmm. And she, um, she says... You can't just bother God with things like <laughs> with these things. He's busy. He's not worried about a swing set. <laughs> and <laughs> I know I said this in the last episode about the Bates, but I always had a little, I took a little bit of a liking to Papa Bill and Mama Jane. Okay. They always seemed loving and supportive in their own way, but at the same time, we're kind of thinking like, this is all fucking crazy, kind of like the rest of us. Like, you know, like they couldn't, they like to see them, but they couldn't wait for them to go. Like, you know, it's just like. And they were just like, they're kind of whatever works for them. Like, they always seemed a little, like, they're bridging between the two worlds. You know, right. they're they're mm-hmm. supportive, but they're like, and eh, you're fucking nuts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Gil's response to Mama Jane basically telling him that God has bigger shit to worry about than your stupid little fucking swing set <laughs> uh, is that God is concerned about every need. So that's what he tells her. Oh. God cares about everything every need even the swing sets okay gil then tells her about his latest request which is for a new weed eater apparently they had a big bank on the side of their property that was covered in weeds and the weed eater he had was old and i don't know he says like it didn't have a string i don't know um 
not cut up. I don't know if it just wasn't cut out for the job or he just didn't like it or whatever, but he wanted a new one. That's all that really matters. Okay. Mama Jane continues to say the same thing, telling him that God isn't worried about that type of stuff. (laughs) And apparently two hours later, some random ass dude drives up to their house and offers him a commercial weed eater saying that they could tell he probably need it based off of his bank. Okay. Mama Jane thought that he'd planned this all out, but he insisted <laughs> that it was God that provided it to show his power. Now, how do you feel about this so far? <laughs> I just... Or do you want to give your thoughts at the end? Let's just keep going. Yeah, okay. for now. <laughs> this is so much like, remember the vacuum story? Yes. With the Duggars, where it was yes. like, they really liked the vacuum, and then, then somebody came and like gave them the back, vacuum yeah. later. I remember the day after... The very next day after we had that episode. So I don't know if fellow 90s kids uh, remember, but at one point McDonald's had the little Barbie toys. They were like little plastic and sometimes they had molded hair and sometimes they had like Barbie hair. But they're little plastic, you know, Happy Meal Barbie toys from the 90s. And I was like, you know, with my selling vintage and shit, not only would I like to see them again just because I loved them from my childhood and collected them, but I'm like, I would love to be able to like sell that to somebody. Yeah. The very next, so we we did that episode about the fucking vacuum cleaner, and then I was thinking about those, and that very day, when I was out thrifting, I found two bags of them, and I was like, a Duggar would say that God did this. Like, I remember (laughs) having that, like, that thought, and I was like, they would say that God was listening to me and sent me these McDonald's Barbies. (laughs) Anyways. So... Um, both of these stories, though, they kind of give me, like, okay, I know you didn't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but even people who didn't watch the show probably might kind of know what I'm talking about. Okay. Because it turned into a meme. But there's this one scene where Kim loses her diamond earrings in the ocean, and she's Mm. like, my earrings! And then Courtney's like, Kim, people are dying. (laughs) And I feel like this is like Gil... People are dying. Like, fuck your little swing and your weed eater. You know what I mean? Like, Uh, Gil, (laughs) people are dying. (laughs) Anyways, um, but I am 100% a Mama Jane camp, like in Mama Jane camp on this one, where it's just like, God has bigger shit to worry about. Right, right. Like, I think that's ridiculous. So it sounds like a little bit after this, Gil first attends a financial freedom seminar. Uh, I'm not exactly one isn't super important, but we do know that he that that those seminars have come to shape many people's beliefs Mm -hmm. and that oftentimes it can be one of the first introductions into IBLP, just like it was for Jim, Bob and Michelle. Mm -hmm. But my point really is that Gil sort of already had this mentality and then can only imagine that attending this seminar really just set it in motion mm-hmm. even more so also around the same point in time gill and kelly had two cars but one of the cars was one that gill bought prior to getting married so it was only a two-seater gill ends up falling asleep at the wheel and he wrecks the family car oh damn leaving them only that two-seater okay. with their multiple kids right mm-hmm so having just attended the seminars, which we, of course, know teaches against getting any any kind of loan or any kind of debt. Right. Gil is trying to find a car that he can afford without a loan, but he's not having any luck. 
They can't really go anywhere altogether as a family. And for church on Sundays, he's having to shuttle them back and forth, leaving their oldest with someone at church while he goes back to get Kelly and the younger children, which is all he says. But I'm like, even if they had three kids, think about it. Think about the safety here. (laughs) So Gil leaves with the oldest, leaves them with a person at church. Mm -hmm. And I think they have to have at least two more at this point, if not three. But let's just say two for the sake of it. Okay. Is he taking one more kid and making another trip and then coming back to get Kelly? At, at any point, they have Kelly in a seat and a kid not in a car seat. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I also find it hard to believe that he probably made two more trips after initially knock, dropping that kid off. Right. So I imagine it's probably him driving and then Kelly with two babies. I believe it. Yeah. Or he takes two the first time. And, and then, and, but either then, way, I'm like, this is not safe. But we know that um, now, it said two seater, not two door, right? Yes, two seater, okay. two seater specifically. Hmm. Interesting. So either we know that they're not like uh, the pinnacle of safety, these people, <laughs> any of them, the Duggars <laughs> yeah. we've seen. But I was just thinking that out, and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> so Gil and Kelly are praying and praying. But they're still having no luck finding a car that they can afford that will fit the whole family. So they continue doing this little (laughs) drop-off situation for Mm -hmm. quite a while. Gil is still working at the grocery store at this point when one day someone there comes up to him and mentions a job he might be good for. But they explain that you have to have a college degree. And Gil's like, well, actually, I do have a degree. And I guess they were just like, then why are you bagging groceries? But Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he ends up getting the job. And it's as a sales rep for Nabisco. And what do you know? That job came with a company car. Wow. In my head, I was going to say, oh, did he get the college degree or did he just pray for it and it showed up on his doorstep? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Gil says that he now understands why he'd been praying for a car all that time and it wasn't happening. Because if he had gotten one before, he would have, quote, been getting ahead of God. And that by God not providing the funds to him earlier, it was keeping him from making a bad decision. And that, quote, not borrowing money is a protection from making the wrong decision. And then he says that because when we go outside of God's means to get what we think we need at the time, we're going to maybe miss what God really has. His wording is not great, by the way. It's not. And it also feels like if that's your mindset, nobody should ever do anything. Anything, I know. Because you're you're going against God if you decide to do anything if for yourself. If you make yourself. any decision without having this direct... Because so, the thing is, he's been saying he's been praying and getting nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So then this one thing happens and he says, oh, that was God this whole time? Right. So unless you're having either some clear answer in your prayer or this thing happening, how do you know that the other, the good thing or the bad thing or whatever isn't like, I, I just don't understand how it's the picking and choosing like, oh, that was from God. Right. Like, right. How do you not know that like maybe the nothing in between was God? I don't know. Yeah. You know, or, or was or wasn't. I'm just like saying, mm-hmm. it, even if what I'm saying is not making sense, it's because I don't. That's my point is like, how do you, how are you so sure that each thing was or wasn't? Yeah. So weird interject, not weird interjection, but interjection, Arthur and I used to have a lot of conversations that were a little bit on this vein. Arthur um, grew up Spanish Catholic 
and then the other half of his family was Spanish Jewish. Um, and one of the things we used to talk about was like, he felt like God in his head empowered people to do things and gave them gifts. He, that's what he believed. But he used to say, exactly like this it's not about little minutiae and it's not about oh well sandy wanted a sandwich and she decided to pray for a sandwich he was like it's not about that it's more of an overarching like guidance in in your life it's not about a swing set or a weed eater and when it came to people's ability to decide on other things he was like, we have to have that. It's not that you're going to get this plan of everything that God tells you what to do. That's not what it's about. Well, yeah. it's like when we talked about, I-, I will get into finances as a whole with IBLP mm-hmm. more broken down in the future. But do you remember when we had the one just talking about the very basic tenets of the yeah. financial freedom seminar? Like we could get into it deeper for sure. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was like, you need to pray about every purchase. And I remember being like, oh, like he, God doesn't give a fuck about your computer. Like, <laughs> just make a decision already. Like, part of me is just like, don't you think that if, if, if you believe in this creator, don't you think he gave you a fucking brain to make a goddamn decision? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, use your best judgment. Like, yeah. Why, yeah, I don't know. And that's what Arthur believes right there. I find this funny for a lot of reasons. But first of all, so going back to the whole, like, he was just like, oh, obviously... That's why we weren't provided a car, the mm-hmm. means for a car all this time. Right. Because um, he talks about, like, if he had gotten a car earlier, like, when he wanted to, and then had, he had gotten the company car, mm-hmm. that the previous car, he says it like, and the previous car, you know, it would have just been sitting there unused, <laughs> which I think is just so ludicrous because he acts like it. If that happened and he got the company car, like you couldn't sell it. You couldn't mm-hmm. do this. You couldn't do that and then be rid of that bill or whatever right. you're doing. He acts like he was like, nope, it's there forever and it's just going to sit there unused. Yep. Like, it would have been so bad. Yeah. It just, like in the meantime, you could have had a car. Like I don't know. But it's just yeah. the way that you, it's, I, it's more about the playing it up to be like, and then it just would have sat there mm-hmm. being a big old burden on us. Yeah. It's making it out where the other decision would have been the worst catastrophic. Version of that. Yeah. Yes. I turned left at the light, and there was an accident if I had turned right. So, like, it's that idea. Yeah. yeah. I also just hate this idea that borrowing money in any kind of way <laughs> is using um, his own words, going outside of God's means to get what we think we need at the time. Right. So, can you imagine telling a person that got gets a mortgage? That, you know, in in order to have a fucking roof over their head, mm-hmm. that that's going outside God's means and that you, you know, because you think you need it right now. It's like, no, yeah. I kind of do. You don't know if God wants <laughs> you to have that house. Well, if you really needed a house right now, God would have, you would have the means and, you know, you, you can't get a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you just think you need it right now and you don't. Oh, okay. Let yeah. me go live in a box. If you would have waited Somebody would have delivered a house to your doorstep. Oh, wait. You need a doorstep. Damn it. It's not working. I tried. It's like we can't all sit around not getting a mortgage or not getting a car loan because borrowing is bad and hope God makes it happen for us soon. Yeah. You know? Uh, imagine just if the entire world operated that way. Yeah. Like, I wish we didn't have to get into debt. Believe me, that's not what this is about. But it's more mm-hmm. of just like, 
do you think the entire world can just operate off this right. is my point <laughs> so as much as they considered this company car to be a gift from god wasn't long before it wasn't big enough surprise surprise <laughs> five seats didn't last them too long when you're pumping out babies at the rate that they were <laughs> so they start doing what they had always you know their go-to and they begin praying for a bigger car the next story is just so strange, <laughs> because much like the random stranger with the weed eater, apparently some family that they had never met before just up and invited them over for lunch at their house one day, and end up offering them their old station wagon for free. At first, the catch seems to be that it doesn't have a motor. Kind of a big deal. So Gil's like, well, thanks for thinking of us, and was like, kind of like declining it, like, that's no use for us, blah, blah, blah. But thanks for thinking of us. And then when, they prayed for a motor. Well, <laughs> then they end up saying that they have another car that takes the same motor as that station wagon. So they said, you can have both cars for free, put the good motor in the station wagon, and then you can keep that second car and scrap it out for money. Wow. There's so much serendipity involved in this. The next thing Gil says is clearly trying to be funny, and the audience gets a big old laugh out of it. Of course. Um, he was and he killing says, up there. Yes. So when he's talking about you know this person offering him two cars for free that he's never met before that invites him over for a meal and then gives him two fucking cars. Because that happens every day. Um, he says, well, you're ki my kind of friend. And, One who gives me free shit. And I, and I know he thinks that this is being cute and funny, but I'm like, I'm actually very, I was very put off by it. I'm like, this isn't funny to me. Like, I don't yeah. think it's cute. I don't think it's funny. Yeah. Maybe I'm being too serious on the subject, but I'm just like, I don't find this funny. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I feel like it relies on you suspending your disbelief and that's going into it with the, with the faith system that's kind of parallel to his. Because you want to believe that these are the things that happen. You know what I mean? In the message that he's putting out. And it's like, I don't know. There's just a lot of... Do I want to believe that? No, not you. Oh, I'm saying okay. <laughs> a, a listener to that, if they're going in it, wanting to get good faith-based kind of anecdotes. Encouragement. Encouragement. Are already going to suspend their disbelief because I they want to believe it. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, hardy hor hor. Um, so once again, Gil has a great story to tell, which he seems to really get off on and yet again tells to anyone who will listen. Okay. Because remember earlier, it was like, and then, you know, we'll have, what the swing said, it was, and then we'll have a great story to tell now. Correct. You know? So one day after having told this particular story to a family, their own car breaks down on their way home. So Gil ends up having to go pick them up and drive them to their house, leaving their car where it broke down. Okay. He says that after this, the Lord begins telling him to give that family the station wagon that they had been given. He really doesn't want to do it, actually. So he prays and says, quote, God, I, I need something that you can really let me know it's really you and I'm not just thinking this on my own. Which, don't get me wrong, um, I understand that this is a big gesture. Okay. But I find it very interesting that it's really not something he wants to do. And he's only doing it, he's only going to do it if he really thinks God is telling him 
not out of the kindness of his own heart. Of you know course. what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just think it's interesting. <laughs> so Gil goes home and he tells Kelly about this and she's all about it. She is all wow. in on board. She wants to give the family the station wagon and she says, this is so exciting. Okay. He reminds her, well, you know, this means we're not going to be able to go places together again. And she still wants to do it. So Gil is looking for a sign from God, basically to make him pull the trigger. (laughs) And that night he studies a wisdom booklet. And in that booklet, there's a story about giving. And I'm not going to bore you with the story. But he takes this as the sign that he needed. And they do end up giving that station wagon to that family. Okay. So they're right back to where they were years ago with that two-seater making multiple trips to church. But this time, instead of the two-seater, it's it's the company car that they've outgrown. Okay. But the process is the same. Still having to shuttle and yes. take multiple trips. Exactly. Okay. So a guy at their church, he just he takes notice of the fact that they don't have their station wagon anymore. And he questions Gil about it. And Gil, uh, Gil acknowledges that they don't have it, but he doesn't really tell them the story why. He just is like, yep, like don't have it. Okay. Because this is where he starts to first make his point that you don't tell people when you have a need. That's a big part. That's a repeated thing several times throughout the sermon. It's to not let others know of your needs, to only tell God. And I take it as basically, it's like, if you only know, if you only tell God when it happens, you know that it was worked through God type thing, right? There's a whole lot of testing by this man. Exactly. And I have such a good MASH reference when we're done with this. So, um, I just think it's funny, though, because I'm like, um, Gil, some things are obvious. (laughs) Like, when you're making multiple trips to get the whole family to church, I think some people can figure out there might be a need. You know what I mean? It's like he seems to think that some secret between him and God. But I didn't say that we had a need. But it's like only God knows that we're struggling with the size of our car. Nobody else knows. As he's on his fourth trip of shuttling family from the house. But he didn't oh, tell anybody. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so apparently this guy and his wife were, they're newly saved, younger couple, and they didn't know them very well, but they end up offering to give them rides to church, which continues for about three or four months. Okay. And Gil says that because of these rides, they get to know the couple pretty well when otherwise they were unlikely to ever have gotten to know them or spend any real time with them. But because of this time that they're spending together... The couple begins asking questions like, what's that? Uh, which sounds, you know, very plausible. What's that music? Your music, you're, you know, you have. And <laughs> then they're like, why don't you have a TV? And, you know, why do you want, why do the girls only wear dresses? Those I get, but I'm just like, the music, what's that music? Well, that banger is a jam about making Satan sit on attack. And uh, let me tell you. And in case you didn't see it coming already... This couple ends up joining IBLP. So pretty much Gil sees them as giving up that station wagon that was gifted to them for free um, to that other family. He sees that as God's way of leading him to minister to this couple. Okay. Eventually, they end up saving up enough money to buy a 15-passenger van. And after owning it for about a week, they decide to make a trip to visit Papa Bill and Mama Jane. Okay. 
And unfortunately, they were just a mere 40 miles out from their home when the motor goes out. Gil is able to limp it over to a shop just off the highway. And the man at that shop very kindly says that he will install a new motor for just $300 in labor, basically, Mm -hmm. if Gil brings him the motor to install. Gil calls around, but he's unable to find a motor that he can afford, and six weeks end up passing. Okay. The entire time, the van is still sitting over at that shop, and he Mm -hmm. keeps calling to be like, do you need me to come get it? Like, is it in your way? Blah, blah, blah. And the guy was like, no, just bring me a motor, and I'll still do it for that price. But, like, you know, and Gil just doesn't have the money, and he can't afford a motor. And he makes a point to mention that not only... Did he not tell anybody about their need for a motor? He hadn't even really told anyone that they had the van to begin with because they had only had it for a week before it broke down. Okay. So it's six weeks later, and one day they arrive home after being somewhere else to find the van sitting in their driveway. Inside the van was a one-year warranty for a motor. So Gil insists in this sermon that nobody knew that the van was even at that shop and that it was over 40 miles away and that he has no idea who did it and how it got, you know, how the van got to them. Okay. Which I find this all incredibly fishy. (laughs) It's like either you're lying and you did tell people and somebody decided to just go ahead and do this for you. Of course. Or it was the mechanic himself and he did it and he did have your address and you're acting like somehow he didn't. Right. Or maybe, which I think this is a very likely one personally, this is just speculation, maybe it was Papa Bill and Mama Jane because clearly they knew because they were on their way to see them and the trip was canceled. Mm -hmm. But again, Gil wants this epic story of faith and God's intervention to be able to tell. So, you know, that's better rather than just a story of kindness of someone coming and doing this on their own, you know, Mm -hmm. like whatever. Um for somebody who did know what was going on. It makes for a better story if it's this big mystery. Right. Rather than acknowledging the likelihood of, like, who actually did it. Yeah. I, I really do think his parents were probably like, fucking six weeks of this bullshit. You just go yeah. fucking pay the mechanic and ask the mechanic to drop it off and we'll just be done with this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a mindset like Arthur's, that could still be God-influencing things. And that's okay in Arthur's head. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in the story that Gil is trying to tell, it's not serious. It's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, because he doesn't want to look like his parents did something for him because that's not showing that God. That's like, well, that's your parents. He's like, no, no, no. It was just, (laughs) it just appeared in my driveway. I didn't know that God got warranties on his blessings. (laughs) Um, Let's be real. God always gets the warranty. Uh, getting phone calls (laughs) so now it seems that it's about the time where gil has been with nabisco for about seven years now they have six kids at this point and he says quote it feels like our lives is just going away and i feel like i'm giving all my time in life to the power and influence of nabisco of anything in this sermon, I, I do think that this is the most relatable thing. Okay. Um, I think a lot of us can relate to the feelings of life passing you by while you work day in and day out and putting all your energy into somebody else's shit. So, like, that part I get. I get it. 
I feel seen. Um, but in typical fashion, we can usually agree with them on a crumb before things go <laughs> a little <laughs> sideways, if not a lot sideways. But Gil says that he wanted his life to count for God, and he just felt like he was wasting his life away. So what does he do? Well, he ends up calling Bill Gothard himself for counsel. Mind you, this is way before he was on the board of IBLP. He's not even on the board at the time of giving this sermon, so this is way, way earlier. Mm -hmm. So Bill Gothard ends up telling him that he needs to work on deepening his life's message. And that God will take care of the ministry end. So Gil admits that this is one, it wasn't what he was hoping to hear. Mm-hmm. He said he wanted to be told to have faith and quit his job. <laughs> so it's like you're looking for someone to green light you to quit your job mm-hmm. when you have no real plan and six kids. Got it. <laughs> God told me to, honey. I know you're mad that I'm quitting my job. It gets worse, though, because Gil says, quote, I was wanting some great, exciting story to tell. Mm, He said the quiet part loud. This man is obsessed with having a story. And I just think it's really weird how he just has no problem admitting it, too. Like, he just says it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just wanted to, I really want to point that out because of what I'm getting to next. So even though it didn't initially work out how he wanted with leaving Nabisco... He does end up leaving eventually because the company is downsizing and he opts to take a buyout package and leave. Okay. So this next part, this is my opinion. So we were just talking about how he loves the story, right? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting hearing the sermon because you get these added details of how it actually went down with him leaving Nabisco. Okay. Because in other things I've read and what from what I remember from their TV show... Gil very much paints the story of him leaving Nabisco in a much more vague way. Where it sounded like he left on his own to pursue ministry. Okay. Almost like, you you get the vibe like, oh, he wanted to have like a Pa Keller story. Like, you know, type Mm -hmm. thing is what like the vibe you get. Yeah. But also I feel like it's clear as day from his own stories and his own words that Gil wants other people to make his decisions for him. Yeah. Whether it be God or Bill Gothard. (laughs) Like he wants somebody else to like green light him. Which is usually because they want somebody else to blame if it doesn't work out. Yes. Like, if I think of, like, things even just in, like, my own industry, people that are usually really, really, really afraid to pull the trigger and actually put their neck out and make a decision is because if it goes wrong, they don't want to get blamed. I know a lot a lot about that in my personal life. <laughs> Not you. Not him, by the way. But, um, yes. So, he didn't get the green light from Bill Gothard that he wanted to leave his job. And I also find it really interesting that for a man who prays for a weed eater in a swing set, (laughs) did you happen to notice that this story is missing him praying to God about leaving his job? That's true. Like, I stopped and thought about it. I find that very odd and very telling that there is zero mention of asking God in prayer about whether it's right for Mm. him to leave his job or not. Suspicious, right? Yeah. But eventually, like, this opportunity presents itself for him to leave and not like totally feel bad about about it because the company is downsizing. Correct. But then also he can still kind of paint it in a way that he can pass off as leaving on his own because he wanted to pursue ministry mm-hmm. because that is what he wanted to do originally. Hmm. So it's like he's taking these things that have truth in them and sort of mashing them together in a way that's kind of vague 
to tell a good story. Because, like, normally it's, like, he was just, like, and I left Nabisco and I, you know, started pursuing blah, blah, blah. It's, like, no, 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 no. Now we get more details about how, like, <laughs> you were trying to force it and it wasn't happening. And then yeah. you, like, jumped at an opportunity where then you can make it seem like that's what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, he just really, he's just so desperate about the story. <laughs> so that's my assessment. Take it or leave it. But that's that was my, I just think the leaving out, like. Oh, and I prayed. So does that mean you prayed about it and you didn't get the answer you want? Or you got no answer. So that's right. why you called Bill Gother. What's the story behind it? Yeah. I don't think you didn't not pray about it. If that's if you pray about fucking swing Ever, sets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's when you just take them for what they are, you just hear these stories and they're already weird. But then when you actually sit and examine what's missing from it, it's even mm. more telling. Yeah. There's just so much testing. There's so many things that are like, this was the test. Yep. Can I give my MASH quote? Yeah, go for it. So one of my favorite episodes of MASH is an episode where there's a bomber pilot who gets shot down. And when he gets to the the hospital, MASH, he doesn't remember who he is. And he says that he's Jesus Christ. It's a really great episode. <laughs> it's incredible. It's called Quovatus Captain Chandler. And the whole time is all these people trying to figure out what's his deal. You know, he has dog tags that say he's Captain Chandler. He's from Iowa or wherever it is. He went to college in Colorado, you know, like all these things. But he he is not. He is he tells people he's Jesus Christ. One of my favorite sidelines is when um, Father Mulcahy comes into post-op. Hawkeye goes, hey, uh, Father, you should probably come. You guys are in the same circles. Like, You should come meet your buddy. This is Jesus Christ. Um, but my favorite one was there's um, one of the, their roommate, the little finky one, um, is arguing that he's just trying to get out of going back to the war. And Hawkeye tells him, Frank, what happens if he actually is who he says he is? And the quote is... Frank Burns goes, no chance. I tested him. Said a little prayer to him before. No big deal. Just just a little test. I can hear Frank's voice this whole yep. time. And Hawkeye goes, and he goes, just in case. And Hawkeye goes, just to be in the safe side. He goes, and my prayer wasn't answered. Stick that in your hair and rub it. Ooh, my mom's got another idea. <laughs> and then Hawkeye goes, Frank, just because you didn't get any chocolate pudding at lunch doesn't prove anything. <laughs> And Frank goes, how did you know I prayed for chocolate pudding? And Hawkeye goes, you always pray for chocolate pudding. <laughs> it's such a good show, man. Tim and I have like five core shows that we watch on like rotation all the mm-hmm. way through. MASH is one of them. Absolutely. Such a good show. Yeah. Such a good combination of comedy and like heart. heart. And then also just like, oh, I mean, it makes you cry. It's some episodes are super oh, deep and you're just like, oh, it's such a mix of all the feels. For yeah. a person like me, it's. <sighs> yeah and all, they have different feel on a side note i remember in, in in a little interview um for my old company they asked me who i modeled my like leadership skills off of and I actually said that a lot of my leadership skills come from characters in media and i captain uh not captain uh colonel potter was one of was one of the ones Good i want to be i want to be a leader like colonel and potter. he's married to a mildred i mean he's... what else can you what else can you hope for <laughs> so after leaving nabisco Gil ends up just doing a lot of odd jobs for a while to make money. He's washing windows, he mows lawns, cleans buildings, pretty much anything he can make a buck on. Okay. 
He says he remembers crying alone in a closet, praying to God, saying, I'm willing to work if you just give me some work. Real poetic there. (laughs) Apparently, two hours later, his phone rings for a job. Oh, my goodness. So these are the types of stories. So this is the point where he starts running out of time in this sermon. Because he, he wasn't telling this in order, like I said. Like, I'm telling it in a different order. But, like, in, into this next story is when he is running out of time. Mm-hmm. So we don't get much details, but we know that he ends up starting Bates Tree Service, which we've seen them, mm-hmm. you know, tackling the trees during the ice storm. Yep. Uh, and from what I can find, it was harder for, to find than I thought it would be, but it looks like they started in 1997. Okay, 97. If you thought we were done talking about Bates and their cars, you were wrong. (laughs) So we're back to talking about that same van that somebody mysteriously changed the motor on. At this point in the story, they've been driving it for about 150,000 miles themselves. I'm not really sure what it was to start Mm -hmm. with when they got it. And they're driving to a family friend's home to spend a weekend with them doing various ministry things. And when they pull up to their friend's house... Everybody instantly notices a brand new van sitting in their driveway. Gil says he got a feeling from God that, you know, God was relaying to him that this family was going to try to give him this brand new van. Oh, my goodness. But he was being told by God to not accept it. The whole family thinks that he's nuts because they're like, this is a brand new van. Who in their right mind is going to just give away a brand new car, you know? So they spend a few days with the family, and on the final day, they're getting ready to go, and the family says that they've been praying, and that God has told them that they are to give them the van, and that they don't think they're going to make it home in their van, and that they need to take this one. Gil says he can't accept it, but says, I'll tell you what, if I break down, I'll come back and get this van, but God has told me not to take it. They end up making it home safely. Gil calls them and tells them so. Come to find out, apparently, that family had been given that brand new van by another family. Oh, man. You got to you gotta pay them vans forward. <laughs> right? This is like a drive through but like instead of like getting their fucking <laughs> coffees, you're just like, here, have a car. You have know? a van. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like a van with that? <laughs> right. <laughs> so they've been given it by another family. And, you know, he didn't know this at the time. But in his sermon, he said, quote, it would have crushed those people to know they sacrificed to give that van to them and they gave it away. Which is fucking hilarious to oh me. Given the fact that someone had given him two vehicles for free and he gave the working one away himself. Yep. So it's like, I guess that family wasn't crushed by that. But this family <laughs> but would this have been. Is. But like, you see just like the glossing over of like, oh... You yeah. did the exact same thing that you're saying mm-hmm. would have been crushing. Yeah. Just, you know, makes sense. It just, it's the way his own stories come full circle in the most <laughs> ironic of ways is just not fucking lost and not yeah. lost on me. I would also love to hear his explanation behind them both hearing opposite things from God. Mm. So the other guy says God is telling him to give him the van. See, this is why I say when you, you hear the stories and you go, oh my gosh, ha ha ha. But it's like, it's the picking apart what he's not saying. Yeah. That I, it it says everything. <laughs> so so this other guy says God is telling him to give the van. And then Gil said that God was telling him not to accept not to it, it. But he mm-hmm. never addresses the fact that these are two completely differing messages from mm-hmm. the same person. Correct? Correct. But I'm sure. But th- here's the where you can never win, right? 
we can ask these questions. And if you were to ask him that, he would say that it, one of them was a test from God to make sure. Or both of them. It was a test to both of them for God to be obedient to what he says. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So it'd yeah. be like, well, you're bo- good job. You both passed. I told you to give it to offer it. And I told him not to take it. You both A plus. Right. Yep. So that's where you can't. As much as you'll ask questions, they'll have a fucking answer because they'll be like, well, we're just both obeying God. Right. Yeah. He said different things to both of them. Um, so we're still not done with Bates in their cars. Oh, man. No, it sounds repetitive, but it is a real majority of the sermon. <laughs> it's auto related. He got the, the, the variety out of the way in the beginning <laughs> with the swing set and the weeder. And now we're right. just deep in cars land. Is he doing this at like a Pep Boys conference or what? <laughs> oh, 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 O'Reilly. <laughs> Auto parts. So, Bow. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I didn't do that part. That's usually the part. Waiting. That's the part that I always, I sing this around the house all the time. And I'm always like, mm. <laughs> All right, I probably did that really loud. You might have to like adjust that in no, the post. No, good. Okay, so about a year after declining this brand new van from the other family, the Bates make a trip to visit Gil's parents. Some friends of theirs that they had only met a few times. Notice how it's like strangers or people they barely know all oh, the yeah. time. It's always because, you know, that makes it even better. Right. Um, so they these people that they'd only met a few times, they were also going to be in town visiting their own parents. So they arranged to meet up with them. So when they arrive... The other man greets them, and he asks Gil, why did you park on the street? To which Gil replies that he didn't want to leak oil in their driveway. The other man says that before going inside, he wants to get a picture of both the families together in front of the garage. Then while they're all standing there, suddenly the garage door lifts and reveals a 15-passenger van with a large red bow on it. It only had 40,000 miles on it, and they were giving it to them for free as a gift. Oh, my God. (laughs) Tim was literally, like, pinching his nose and rubbing his eyes. Um, This guy apparently said that his biggest fear was that Gil would show up in a new van. So that's why he had it in the garage. Because in case Gil had showed up in a new van, he just would have never showed it to him, and then he would have returned it. But luckily, he was still in his little piece of shit, so he's like, great, now I can show it to you. Oh, my goodness. Which, of course, this is Gil's way of saying that it was a good thing he turned down that other van a year earlier. Well, that was the sign. <laughs> it was a test. Until somebody could give him free shit, you know. Yep. But wait, there's more. I'm unsure of a date on this next story, but I, I just know that it comes next. It, because of the way that it goes with like his different jobs and stuff, I know that I know how it sequence. So um, she's on like page nine of Gil getting free stuff. It's there's 14 pages. Oh. I don't know what page I'm on, but it's 14 pages total. Okay, so as a family, they frequented a local nursing home as part of like their ministry, and it turns out that one of the residents there, they had a family member that worked as an editor at the local newspaper. <laughs> the newspaper runs a story about the family, which of course includes the fact that Gil has a tree service. A guy that had seen them in the paper. Invites them over, you know, comes and meets them. He comes to meet them first, actually. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, he invites them over, as people just do, you know, whatever. And uh, he presents them with a bucket truck with a 55-foot boom that already had Gil's business number plastered on the side of the truck. 
Gil was being gifted a $50,000 work truck completely free. This is where Gil says that he never prayed for a bucket truck because he was trying to be content with what he had. He was still trying to get at the get the swing set. I just think it's funny because he didn't sound that con- all that content with the weed eater. So he's talking about, I was just trying to be content. You weren't content with the one you had. So I don't buy it, Gil Bates. I want to pray for a day off. <laughs> I know. Can I pray for that? Well, don't. You're not supposed to tell others your needs. You just told oh, damn, thousands man. of people your needs. See, that's why it's not working. You Mildred, say it I out guess loud. I'm not getting a day off. You say it out loud. That's the fucking problem. <laughs> And somehow, people just continue to give them things. One day, Gil shows up with the family, you know, for church on Sunday. And, you know, he just notices a really nice wood chipper in the parking lot. Oh, my goodness. He, of course, had always wanted a wood chipper for his business. Like, they were having to burn stuff, like, haul it away and burn it. Um, He always wanted one, but, you know, they're really expensive and he can't afford it. Turns out, yet another complete stranger from Florida... Heard about the family, had a chipper that he no longer needed, and drove it all the way to Tennessee to gift as one it to, does to gift it to him. <laughs> this chipper was worth twenty five thousand dollars. Okay, You're fucking wild, right? So now we're getting to the closing out of this sermon, and I want to read you a quote. He says, "Quote: How do you provide for a family of nineteen with no salary?" You try to develop a life message. It's really God that does the work. You try to stay out of debt and honor his principles. You try not to tell other people what your needs are. You try to learn to be a giver. You try to learn to be a server. And God is the one that ultimately provides for all of our needs. And I just in this moment realized that that's the five things. I knew that develop a life message was one. And I knew that not telling other people your needs were one. And I'm like, what the fuck were the other three? But I just realized that it's... Stay out of debt and honor the principles. Learn to be a giver. Learn to be a server. Doesn't sound like he's been much of a giver. Well, they gave that station wagon that one time. <laughs> it just feels so much. There's so much of things that just don't happen to normal, like, no, in normal, to normal circumstance. People, no, no. So, as much as you're pushing this idea that, like, you weren't saying anything... How many people did you talk to about your business? Oh, well, I don't have this, and I don't have that. Let's mind the fact that people have two fucking eyes and and two brain cells to rub together, and that they can see a large family that is not being properly taken care of. (laughs) You know what I mean? They can be like, oh, yeah, we can see that they Mm -hmm. they live in a shithole, or that they're making six trips to get to fucking church. Like. Or just the fact that people see a bunch of kids with two parents and they're, then they're like, they just probably don't have enough. Let me do something. <laughs> like, you know, and it's probably it's just people be like, and I'm not shitting on the people. You want to do something nice, fucking do it. I, I, I'm not shitting mm-hmm. on any of the gestures, but I'm shit. I have a problem with Gil acting like it doesn't, that this all just happens and that's not coming from the fact that you've created a fucking scene mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. You've created this where people cannot not see that there are needs. Yeah. Yep. You've created a scene. Yep. Just existing. And then you can sit there with your little accent and like, oh, gee, golly, blah, 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 blah. But people, <laughs> like, you know, like, 
people know it's not this isn't a big secret between you and god right yeah <laughs> well i didn't tell anybody oh god okay um where am i there's a little bit of uh our niece when she was really little because when she wanted something, she didn't want to ask for it. And she'd be like, but I can't have any, can I? She, we always said it was her angling. Yep. She says, sure would like that, but I can't have it, can I? <laughs> We're like, oh, smooth, Elsa, yeah, exactly. smooth. That's how this feels. She, and she would say, sure would like that. <laughs> she literally say, sure, sure would like that, but I can't have it, can I? Can I? And oh. When she was little, she would have this little like nasally voice. She, she'd say, weenie. Weenie, yep. Oh, man. I can't have... I, Gil I sure probably, do want to... You know, I bet you Gil probably stared at one of those trucks, and he's like, sure would like, but I can't have it, can I? <laughs> that wood chipper, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, He then briefly recounts the story that we saw in the episode today with the Duggars and the Wilsons coming to add on to their home and how it originally started as a 300-foot, um, square-foot, laundry room and turned it to 2,500 square foot addition, two-story addition. And he says, quote, it's not me that's providing. We know. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> uh, it's God that does the work. He also says, quote, I'm really amazed that God would take on such a project, but he can afford it. And he says that God wants to show his power. So it's like, really, Gil's doing God a favor. You know, no, yeah. he's letting him show his power. So, you know, good on Gil, man, giving God the opportunity to show his power. Thanks, <laughs> throwing him, Gil. Throwing him a bone yeah, here. Yeah, you know, thanks, Gil. <laughs> so now we're done with that sermon. I want to move on to when they were in an episode of Primetime Nightline, My Extraordinary Family, that featured them back on August 24th of 2011. Host Juju Chang visited them um, several times over the course of seven months for this episode. And while the episode covers a whole lot more for the sake of today's theme and keeping it streamlined, I'm once again only referencing the parts that are about finances. So or wood chippers. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Gil talks about how they don't have health insurance and that when they do need care, they go to the ER and that, you know, they get really great care there. He doesn't really expand on that. Uh, as I imagine, he probably doesn't want to because it probably doesn't sound good, you know? Yeah. Probably either just, like, walks out on the bill or <laughs> Asks negotiates. Asks for a discount. Exactly, like, negotiates like it down. Lego hair does. Which is what they talk about. They're like, oh, like, and I know, I remember Gil saying from their TV show, like, oh, yeah, we'll go to the doctor and we'll negotiate it down because when you're going to pay cash, they'll negotiate it ch cheaper than blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Kelly's prenatal care goes, because we know there's a whole lot of that, <laughs> go figure, she goes to a free Christian clinic. Mm. And, like, in this, it's like she just had a miscarriage, and then she's getting pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that makes sense, because, like, the the doctor is, like, praying over her the entire time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I remember watching it and being like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I've never seen a doctor lay hands you know what i mean and then i'm <laughs> yeah. like oh christian clinic got it yeah so i brought it up in a previous episode very briefly uh, and this is just information picked up from watching their tv show but their orthodontist gives them a discount with each kid this isn't from this this is just me okay. remembering their orthodontist gives them a discount with each kid that they bring in for braces 
and that sometimes they trade tree work in as forms of payment. Okay. Which is all fine and dandy. Like, that's cool that that works. For, you know, that's cool that you're able to trade. It's also just not realistic for the vast majority of the world. Yeah. And I feel like this is once again an example of like, oh, we see that you're in a situation. Okay, we'll accept a fucking tree trimming. Correct. Where the the, the rest of us aren't walking in some, somewhere and they're just like, oh, okay, you know, you can cook me a, like for you. Like, Tim, can you just cook him a couple meals and get me braces? Right. Like, it's not going to like... It doesn't work that way. It doesn't way. work that way. They, it's because they see them and they're like, oh, this, they could use some help. Right. Oh, so I no feel like they're glossing over. Tons oh, of kids. Yes. Tons, yeah. And I, I think one of the things you said with the Jim Bob way of, you know, pushing things as like financial advice is that none of this applies to regular people. To the average person. Correct. It's like, oh, you have so many kids that come through and have to get braces. Well, you got a, like a wicked discount. Okay, like that's they don't not give a because fuck about you... my two kids, like you know. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is they're not doing it because they, because they like care about this. Like it's it's just so not normal. Yeah, they're not doing it because if you just live your life the right way, these things will happen to you. And I think that's kind of the nature of you're both a of spectacle. The... Yeah, both of these things is like well, if you just live the right way and you pray, these exactly. good things are going to happen to you. No, like you said, they saw you struggling and said, oh, I want to help, which is not a knock on them at all. But you're not taking it as these other people have goodness in their heart. They want to help somebody they see struggling. They have nothing to do with it. It's either God had them do it through God or they're just so good that these good things happen to them. That is correct. Yep. Yep. Of course, no documentary involving an IBLP family is complete without following them on a trip to Big Sandy for the annual ATI conference. Heck yeah. And while I'm not going to cover it that much, I did want to point out that while they're traveling, they do have to stop overnight in a hotel. And uh, while they're stopping at this hotel, Gil negotiates a hotel room down to $43 a night. So Lego has eight bucks on him. Because remember, he said he negotiated down to 35 That's correct. So in the battle of the cheapos, Lego wins. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Uh, so if he's the cheapo, does that mean he can't be Lego hair? He has to be like uh, Duplo hair or yeah, Play yeah. Mobile. That's what it is. Play Mobile. He's Play Mobile hair, not Lego hair. And instead of 3901, it's like 9310. <laughs> Okay, so this is the host's words, not mine. She says, quote, Gil's tree cutting service provides just enough to get by. Mm. Gil says, quote, I'm a real penny pincher, probably worse. We try not to buy stuff that's full price. We wait until it goes on sale. And if it's not a necessity, we really try not to buy it unless we really need it. Just pray for it. But I kind of feel like this repeated emphasis on the fact that all these large families buy things secondhand is sort of like the like the flip side of the you could afford a house if you didn't buy coffee and avocado toast you know what i mean like granted i understand that them buying these things secondhand adds up because there's so fucking many of them i understand yeah. that that adds up to a larger number than you and me's avocado toast and co- you know coffee <laughs> but my point is more so that it's this sort of blanket oversimplification, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, they buy things secondhand 
that yes saves them money right but they also get multiple cars for free $75,000 worth of equipment for their company for free Mm -hmm. and they're still fucking broke yeah you know Mm -hmm. so again just glossing over a whole lot of detail here yeah you know, but they buy secondhand. Yeah, and you're still fucking broke with a bunch of shit for free. Mm-hmm. So now we get to the point of the episode where they talk about Lawson. Lawson is their fourth child, and he has had his own very successful lawn mowing business since the age of 13. And he's like 18, 19 okay. at the point of this. Um, Lawns and... Merp. So he earns enough money to actually be able to assist the family on a regular basis. Okay. Kelly said, quote, we call him the bank financer because he is always lending to his siblings or lending to us, or he's the one that always has money in the account when the rest of us don't. Okay. So I really love one of the things that the host says in a a voiceover because it addresses what I and probably so many others are thinking, (laughs) saying, quote, so for parents that don't believe in bank debt, no mortgage, no car loans, no credit cards, Lawson is the only person they owe. So they're pointing it out in a much more matter-of-fact way, but I just love that in any capacity they're shining light on the fact that they do indeed borrow, but it's from their son. Just not, yeah, yeah. So Lawson has loaned his oldest, the oldest brother, Zach, $1,000 for a car. Sister Erin, she's the one that bangs on that piano. Um, $2,000 for her to go to college. And he also said, quote, Dad borrowed four or $5,000 for, well, mostly bills. And then he laughed. Damn. And he adds on, oh, they're good for it. They pay me back. I don't need the money right now anyway. Is he FDIC insured? <laughs> That's what I want to know. So when faced with like questions and criticism when this episode aired, Mm-hmm. Uh, on their family blog, Kelly responded this. I'm going to read the whole thing. She said, thank you for your concern for Lawson. Actually, he volunteered to extend that money. Aaron taught piano and paid hers off. Zach paid his off through his work. It was his own choice, and we were so grateful he had such a generous, willing heart to do such a kind deed for his family. We teach the children responsibility and gratitude, so the children were faithful at keeping payment records, and I think their hearts were all drawn closer together as a result of seeing their brother's sensitivity to them. Zach had already determined to turn the car down, and Aaron had already decided not to return to school when he made the offer to help. We were all so blessed. I wouldn't trade that character for anything, and I am so glad the children showed their gratefulness in return by paying him back. As for Lawson, none of our children asked him. It was a willing offer that he never had to make, and I am so glad that money was not his first priority, but rather investing into the lives of others. We have all learned from his example. He may never loan money again, but he certainly made a lasting impression this time. Again, with my, what they leave out is more telling than what they say. Mm-hmm. Do you notice how in Kelly's response, she addresses the money that he lent his siblings, but makes zero mention of the at least $5,000 he lent to them? Mm-hmm. You picking up on the same pattern here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like if I give a long flowery response that focuses on his siblings and how giving that was and 
the example and blah, blah, you just get so lost in the sauce of this big long thing people forget about that five thousand dollars he lent you guys and you know it's probably way more than five thousand i'm sure he gives them money all the damn time because if you remember she said quote he is always lending to his siblings or to us mm-hmm. her words yeah so about the siblings portion like i don't find that part problematic siblings you have a special bond you look out for each other you help each other out you know when you see that your parents aren't making strong financial decisions <laughs> you help them out because you can yes mm-hmm. well i know it's like and it's absolutely especially in, in that situation where your parents don't have a lot of money i feel like you you look out for each other even more in those situations yeah like i have a sister my second oldest sister that's nine years older than me she went above and beyond in ways that she didn't fucking have to like being nine years older so like when she was a teenager she had a little tradition there for a while that she didn't have to do and i'll probably fucking cry i'm gonna try not to um but like just randomly on saturdays like her little tradition there for a while is that she went and bought everybody in the family burger king mm-hmm. and so it's like on saturdays there for a while it's like i gotta have like a fun meal but mm-hmm. i'm like she was like 17 she didn't have to do that yeah and then when she got a little bit older she started like buying my me back to school clothes and like every christmas making sure she gave me like cute clothes and stuff because she mm-hmm. knew i wasn't getting it for my parents correct so it's like those are those things where it's like yeah that's what you do with siblings mm-hmm. so there it like, is i know that's a good story though and you hit it on the head like that's an age group where she easily could have been like uh my dweeby younger sister and she wasn't she was providing for you because she cared about you. Well, yeah. I know, like the Christmas that I had, I had just turned nine since my, since my birthday is in December. We were moving into our our other house on January first. Mm-hmm. That Christmas, I mean, we were broke, broke as a joke. Like mm-hmm. I remember they, there being a half block of cheddar cheese in the drawer. Like mm-hmm. we were broke as shit. So I remember my mom was like, "We had no Christmas. They didn't even put up decorations, which would have made me happy. But it's like we were moving, so there was nothing." Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, that sister, she went and, like, got us one little gift, and then she made me, like, a stocking, and, like, my other sister a stocking. And it's like, she did not have to fucking do that. She was 18 mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. Where you was know? she working at the time? Do you remember? At my my elementary school, at the after-school <laughs> oh, yeah, daycare. The program, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's where she met her husband, who's, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how, and so I was, like... It's funny that, like, I called him Mr. Blah, 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 you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and now he's my brother-in-law. But, um, I'm like, she didn't have to do that. But, like, yeah. she was just like, they're going to get nothing for Christmas. So she yeah. went, you know, went and did that. So, anyways, that's just my way of saying that's like, you, you do that as siblings. Yeah. So, that's not the problem. The problem is, it's more so, um, I'm not even saying that a child can never help out their parents. Mm-hmm. Ever. Like, that's not my point either. I just find it hard to believe that this was a one-off thing. I imagine they probably depended on him a lot. <laughs> and she said that they do with her own words. Right. But to me, it sort of mirrors the whole sister mom type thing. Mm-hmm. It's like there's n- there's absolutely nothing wrong with an older sibling caring for their younger sibling. It's natural, you know, in its way. The problem lies in being completely dependent on it like we know that they are. So I feel like the same idea applies here. It's not that you can't ever help out in a bind. That's what families do. They band together. They do things. Mm-hmm. But what would they do without the bank of Lawson? Correct. And I do feel like they were likely dependent on it as their safety net, all, you know, most of the time. And 
that's not really the responsibility of a child, you know? Right. But again, mirroring this whole sister mom thing, you know how they're, they're just like, so they're saying about loss and they're, they're like, oh, he offered, oh, he liked doing it, oh, he, you know, like all, of, it's, it's yeah. the same as how they're like, they like cooking, they like cleaning, they <laughs> like taking care of the kids. And there might be some truth in something enjoy. He may have felt really good helping his siblings. Mm-hmm. The sisters might like cooking dinner. It's not, it's not that. It's more of the idea when it becomes an obligation and expectation. Expectation, yep. So in the Lawson case, it's like rather than, you know, it's not so much about helping his siblings. It's, I find it hard to believe that even if he tells himself, I don't mind helping, kind of knowing in your back of your head, this is expected. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I don't want to be rude, yeah. you know. <laughs> All right. So back to the Nightline episode. Um, we see Juju Chang accompany Lawson to the grocery store because he actually does all of the family grocery shopping. Hmm. He says nobody else really wants to do it. He actually enjoys it. And he likes looking for good deals. And it's kind of funny because here's this 18-year-old kid and he was like, look, this, he's picking up like deli meat. He's like, this used to be $3 and now it's three twenty-four, and it's not even a full pound anymore. And she was like, what 18-year-old knows about the <laughs> deli cuts, you know, like prices? So on this particular trip, they're shopping for regular groceries, but also it's going to be Aaron's 20th birthday party, so he also has to get food for that. So the total comes to $375.53. And I think that right in this moment, it is proven just how much Gil and Kelly do depend on Lawson quite a bit, Mm. because we see him pay for the groceries with his own debit card, because he says Gil hasn't been paid. Wow. So yeah, it, ha- it's, it happens on the reg. Wow. Yeah, this all the behaviors are pointing to the fact that like, oh, this is like an always thing. <laughs> exactly. This wasn't like a one-off or you're helping every once in a while. No, this is this is, this how is, it is. A, this is a source of income for you. Yep. And to close out this part of the Nightline episode, quote, Gil says, quote, I don't take anything from the government. Probably qualify for a lot of things. But I will not do that because God's taking care of us. I don't want to be a burden. Oh, he mispronounced Lawson. <laughs> he said God's taking care of us. Oh. Lawson and that guy with the weed eater and all the people <laughs> with the cars. And the wood chipper man. Yep. Yep. Oh, my goodness. And also, you know, he says that God is um, taking care of us. What if God is like, take the fucking food stamps, bro? You know what I mean? What <laughs> yeah. if he's up there, you know, like, what yeah. if he's like, Food stamps were what I was trying to get you to do, you know? Like, yeah. He's oh, like, man. I didn't say Lawson. I said EBT. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, and that, oh, yeah. So I guess that sums it up on how they provide for their family. Ish. <laughs> yeah. How Lawson <laughs> provides for their family. How they provide for their family. <laughs> uh, random thoughts. So, I don't really have a full-blown wrap-up in this, in this like, big grant, like, you know, topic. More so, it was, like, after I got done writing all of this, I just had a bunch of things that just kind of, like, came to my mind. I came and, like, scribbled them down later. So, my first random thought was that instead of calling that sermon How to Support a Family of 19 Without a Salary, should have been called How to Get Shit for Free. Facts. Straight Wasn't facts. Wasn't that not the entirety of it? Mm-hmm. 
I'm like, and that was just supposed to be so inspiring. Like, it's so funny to me that that's like some inspiring story <laughs> of encouragement. Yeah. There's a, there is a like movie writing and movie directing like thing that goes around where people say it's a good practice and it causes a better story and it's uh show don't tell gill practices show don't tell oh yeah don't tell them that you're in desperate need of these things to support your family show them and then you don't have to i didn't tell them anything i'm surprised he doesn't have them like poking their toes out of their shoes on purpose and he's like but i didn't say anything <laughs> it was just between me and god <laughs> well i don't want to be rude but I was like thinking that at some point there'd be some sort of practical advice. Correct. There was nothing. There was no like nothing practical there. Yeah. Not one single thing. And you know I hate to say it, but it sounds like Jim Bob. Like I'm not saying Jim Bob hasn't grifted because he has done his fair share of grifting, but <laughs> at least in there, like we hear about all the businesses. Like Keen Michelle did the towing business. They had the convenience store. They had this. It's like you don't get that. It's like he literally just sounds like he was always waiting around for something to happen. Right. So I'm like, it's real bad when <laughs> Jim Bob looks better than you in a situation. Like, it's real <laughs> dire when oh, he's beating man. you in this. Because I'm yeah. just like, man, you, like, you didn't, he didn't say anything where I was like, oh, he was, like, really trying. Re like, you know, like, <laughs> really trying to Not provide for his, for his family. <laughs> Not good. I also just found myself not being able to stop thinking about Gil unapologetically admitting freely how he just desperately wants a good story to tell. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, he said the he said the quiet part loud. It bothers the fuck out of me. I kept thinking yeah. about it. It annoys mm -hmm. the shit out of me. Yep. And to me, it almost has that same people of you know they say my you know people who are like do it for the gram all the time mm, yeah. like you feel like they're living their life they're or showy. doing things for social media to be able to tell people about it or yeah. show it off i feel like he's doing that but like using god instead yeah because mm -hmm. he wants to be able to have stories to like he wants to have these things on deck to prove his faith or something or you know what I, I don't know it's just like it feels kind of the same yeah in a weird way. Mm -hmm. It is that we were just talking to some people that had a lot of graduation parties to go to. And one of the things that was said was like a lot of the parties are a gigantic production because there's a little bit of that social media aspect of it, you know. So it's weird. We were just talking about something like this, you know. It's like he wants to be able to rack up these big motivational yeah yeah faith-based stories yeah yeah um with the whole station wagon story where he really didn't want to do it <laughs> <laughs> did you get the vibe that he only did it because he had literally just been bragging mm -hmm. to this family about this epic story of god <laughs> providing for them and then this family immediately has the same thing happen to mm -hmm. them so it's, if he doesn't come through helping them, like, he looks like an asshole. Yeah. So, you know, he was just like, oh, shit, I just bragged and now I have to do something, even yeah. though he really didn't want to. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I thought you liked telling your stories until you didn't, huh? Yeah. It was uh, all great bragging about your stories until you had to give away your story. Yeah. But then he had another story. And this man is fucking high on stories. <laughs> like, he is addicted 
Yeah. To the high of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding him praying for things like swing sets and weed eaters and telling <laughs> Mama Jane that God cares about all needs. Of course. Makes me wonder what he thinks when people have much bigger needs to pray about <laughs> and don't get them. What kind of people are they? Like if a homeless person is praying for a home, does he think they didn't pray hard enough? Or does he think that he just leaves lives like so much more righteously than them that God skips over the homeless person in the prayer line to get to him and his weed eater and first. his swing set? Yeah. yeah, like is you know, I'm like, is that what you think? Like, yeah. what what do you think in that head? And he openly says to Kelly, like, let's wait, even though we have the money, to try to see God do something. So it's like you're really gonna test God over a hundred fucking bucks. <laughs> I thought. That's- like we talk about how we approach, we appreciate like frugality, and people that save some money, but that's taking it a little too far. <sighs> it's like you know, God's up there and he's like, oh, 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 Gil, Gil, Gil Bates needs to see my power. Yep. So let me get a handle. You know, you know, people are sick, starving, and dying, but you know, Gil Bates needs a story and a swing set. Damn it. <laughs> You know, do you think, does he think that, like, God is just up there, like, like, scrambling around to make it happen because he needs a story and he wants. Out of the way, people with medical conditions, Gil Bates needs a swing set of story. God. Uh. And, you know, remember, he's throwing God a bone. He's giving him the opportunity to show his power. So, really, Gil's doing him a favor. Um, it kind of goes along with that line that we just recently heard from Jim Bob when he says that a lot of times we have not because we ask not. Yeah. So does he think that people just don't ask for like, like, oh, they just haven't asked for a better cost on a house so that they can afford it cash. Yeah. You know, maybe if you try asking for a car that's only $600 and can seat 17. Yeah. You know, maybe if you'd ask, you'd actually get it. Yeah, well, you and I discussed this, I think, when we were talking about that, the idea that if you do have money problems or you're having you're struggling to afford certain things, it's because you've made bad choices. Sometimes that's not the case, you know what I mean? No. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person because you struggle, you know, especially with money. No, life comes at people in a variety of ways. Yeah. And, and it's easy to simplify from the other side and be like, well, they oh. obviously are just wasting their money on avocado toast. Oh, oh you're struggling. <laughs> it's all those bad decisions, huh? <laughs> and not the variety of things that actually contribute Life circumstances to, that happen, yeah. That are different for everyone and yet the same in some ways all at the same time. But mm-hmm. like, oh, but you either just haven't asked or you're just not being righteous enough or, you know, you just didn't do it just like me. Yep, exactly. Maybe if you did it just like me, things would have turned out better for you. There it is. There it is. Uh, so now um, I'm going to go back to the loss and stuff. I know we talked about it kind of in depth a little bit earlier, but I wanted to talk about how back when this first aired the the primetime thing or whatever mm-hmm. um back on the old free ginger threads at the time of this airing it was pretty divided in the comment section okay so for as many people who criticized him you know criticized like basically gill and kelly mm-hmm. um for you know him having to do that there were also a ton of people who 
kind of like ran to the defense and were being like, it's not that big of a deal. People are, you're way overreacting to him helping his parents. That's, you know, it's kind of what you do. And if it didn't bother Lawson, it shouldn't bother you. Or, you know, he wasn't supporting his family. He was just like floating the money here and there. Like that type of thing where people are just like, you're, you're making it out to be a bigger thing than it is. Right. And it's like, I get it. I'm certainly not saying that families can't band together and help each other out. But I was just thinking that to me it means a lot more when you take into account all these things as a whole that we've mm-hmm. learned about them and their finances rather than just looking at these like each individual situation and story. Correct. Because then you can go, oh, they were having a tough time and somebody did this nice thing for them. Cool. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, oh, time after time yeah, after time or how often is – is Lawson doing this every week? Is it completely there? You know, like yeah. it's, it's different when you put it all together to me. It has more of an impact. Because it shows a pattern of behavior. Exactly. It's not just people doing something out of the kindness of their heart. And this is from an outsider perspective. It feels like you're kind of using people. And a little bit. Well, that's when, the type of friend I like. Right. Like that asshole comment. Yeah. You're not grateful you're making a comment because it's kind of expected. Well, people are just going to give me stuff. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I just, it, it, it makes me angry. Whitney's mad right now. Like, her energy is real, real angry right now. Um, also, just, like, the hypocrisy of saying that they don't borrow. And then they borrow from Lawson all the time. Right. So you borrow, you just don't borrow from a bank. Which, yes, I'm not stupid. I know that that means... There's no interest. There's no legalities. Like, I get it. I'm not an idiot. But to me, there's still this air of hypocrisy when you break it down to its core, to the base idea of how you preach that you don't buy things you don't have the money for. So setting aside the whole details of things being a loan or not, okay? (laughs) Breaking it down to the base idea is that you don't buy things if you don't have the money to buy it, right? Well, um, sounds to me like they're consistently buying things that they don't have the money for. That the only reason that they have money for it is because they're getting it from Lawson. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're still spending money you don't really have. Yeah. That's not so, real money. So when you look at it that way, it's like, no, you're still going against what you're saying. Yeah. And I wouldn't have a problem with that. We all do what we have to do to get by. That's mm-hmm. not the issue. The issue is the hypocrisy. Yeah. I mean, it'd be the equivalent of people have to use credit cards for stuff to survive every day. So I'm not hating on that. But it's people that buy things that they don't need to survive. And then they're like, oh, I have plenty of money. I have like $10,000. No, that's how much money you have left on your credit card. That's not – you don't have that money. You have that ability. And I think that's – there's a difference there. Yeah. So it's – they're not – they're not buying things that they – actually have the money for like you said they're like oh our our credit card over here is gonna pay for it you know our bank financer as kelly calls mm-hmm. him so lawson with his lawn company yep so uh yeah those were just kind of my thoughts yeah i got man you got a little heated on that one i think it's 
Like I said, you're doing pretty bad in an area of life if <laughs> Lego is doing a better job than you. And Play by mobile. no and by no means am I saying and this is also I understand that the point in time we're talking about with the Bates is pre them getting money. Yeah. But I I'm I'm comparing it to Duggar pre getting money as well. Mm-hmm. They were still broke as shit and their kids were still malnourished and whatever, but they still seem to have like try a little harder. <laughs> I'm comp- I'm comparing apples to apples as much as I can. I'm not yeah. comparing money to no money, TV to no TV, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I'm doing pre for both. Okay. <laughs> so maybe it's a red apple and a green apple, but I think that they're still apples. Agree. Yeah. And I am unimpressed with Gil Bates. <laughs> unimpressed. Oh, man. So if you saw him, you know, coming out of his house and you were in your bus, you wouldn't go, hey, hey. No, I don't think so. No. Man, that one did get you. And I think that one I think that one got Whitney really hard because I think her and I both really value like empathy and respect for other people in their circumstances, even if you don't know those circumstances. I feel like you and I place a lot of value on those things. And when you see somebody who is just so either willfully ignorant or oblivious to those things i feel like it bothers you and i yeah you know so when you see somebody who's for lack of a better term taking advantage of these people's generosity over and over and over and over again but then spouting this idea that like i did this for myself and he doesn't take assistance because he doesn't want to be a burden right like there's a (laughs) meme going around that's been going around for like a couple years where it's like ways to retire by the time you're 30 and it's like you know put put your money in a roth ira and do this and have a parent who owns a a fortune 500 company and you know and it's like that's always like the fourth thing down in the list of like ways to succeed that's how this feels you know the way to get a really good job out of college is to have a parent that owns a company that you can get a job with yeah so, yep, that's how he um, doesn't provide for his family. Man. Way in the beginning, I remember when we first started talking about the Bates, and I said that he was a less off-putting version of Jim Bob. And then as like we dug deeper, I'm like, no, it's just kind of a different flavor. It's a different flavor. It's yeah. Everything is with they have a – like I will never not say that they, they have a warmer – facade facade yes like yeah they come off like they are less off-putting they're less awkward yeah it's easier to digest yes. because they do they are have much, this like they're more palatable version yeah and so far their skeletons have stayed relatively in their closet and i say mm. relatively meaning there isn't someone in fucking prison in their family <laughs> but like um yeah, when you really get into it, it's just like, ooh, no, you're yeah, yeah. you're kind of the same. You're cut from the same cloth. Oh, they they totally know. are. They absolutely mm-hmm. are. He's just got a little twang in his voice, and and Kelly's always smiling <laughs> in a in a little bit less of a robotic way than you know. <laughs> the girl, like like the girls said, they have a little bit more of like a southern bluegrass thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, they say that you know it's like that southern hospitality, you know, yeah. type thing, and the, and they give that off. They do. Yeah. So it's like. It works for them. Yeah. But man. So yeah, I think that's all I got for today. All right. Gil. Yep. I expected so much more. <laughs> I really didn't, but <laughs> there is something funny that I really hope Whitney puts in the visuals this week. And it's uh when the family is singing 
the sit on attack song they show like one of the younger like one of the toddlers and the look on her face is like i kind of wish i wasn't here and i think what it was was she was kind of like the camera person she was kind of like like side-eyeing i'm like what are you doing as he was recording her but then they showed her and she was staring at the family singing and it was funny it was a funny cut she was like, what are they singing? See, right and then now? my must-have is I have to show the nest quick mop water. <laughs> Slap it on the front. Yeah, uh, That's funny. my must-see for you all. Yeah. Did you have anything podcast-related for the week you would like to communicate? Nope. I already did. Okay. What we got upcoming. We've had a handful of new members with Servant's Hearts. So shout-out to all of our new members. Thank you again. Whitney's been throwing some cool things. Shout out for that hot, uh, that hot marching band cut that you put on there. Oh yes. Yep, made me made me proud of my marching band peeps. So. Yeah, he felt good. He said he felt seen that I posted I, that, and I'm like, oh, anything for you, honey. Oh, there's lots of us. And if I remember correctly, I do believe our friend it's Rouse Dower posted. I'm glad my marching band never played this, so she's also apparently a marching band alone. Or does she? I don't know. I didn't. Is that how you take that? That's I took it like she was in marching band. She was like, "I'm glad that mine didn't play this." But you so. can still, you, when you say mine, you could also say my school. It could That's go true. two ways. Mm-hmm. But all right, well, thank you for our deep dive this week. As usual, feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymecoffee.com/slash/diggingupthedug. Send us a message at diggingupthedugers at gmail Enjoy our episode visuals and our Mildred-related content on the Insta at Digging Up the Duggars Pod. And if you'd like to send us some snail mail, we do have a P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. So. All right. See you next week.